stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Oh, Carmen, Carmen, Carmen. Right, let's go on with it. Welcome to Motorsport 101. Ladies and gents, that was the greatest intro in the history of Motorsport 101. <laughs> welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Andre Harrison, and uh, welcome to episode 116 of Motorsport 101. And hey, we did, we did two shows in a week. It's almost like we did this three days ago or something. It's great. <laughs> so, why are we double dipping, you ask? Because, well, recent news events kind of encouraged us to maybe record two shows in a week. So well, uh, well, it was actually less recent. It's not. It's not the news story that you're thinking of. But we will talk about it today. Like, I would like to give us a little bit more credit by like dropping a little porky pie in there, feathers. Well, I appreciate the honesty. Like, really, I do. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, we have an absolutely stacked panel. This is a very rarely seen. I think only the third time we've ever had five people on one show. So, um, so you know, this this could be creative carnage. So let's get the usual guys out of the way. First up, Mr. Ryan King. How are you, sir? Yes, I'm here. Um, this is going to be an experience. <laughs> <laughs> ever, ever, ever the voice of optimism, Ryan King, as always. Um, on the other corner, representing Tennessee, as always, Mr. RJ O'Connell. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, good evening, and good morning to wherever you're listening to this. I am just going to take the back seat and let the next two wonderful young women um, take it over from here because they are at the wheel. They are driver and co-driver, working together like Loeb and Elena, OJ and Ingracia, McRae and Grist, as you do. Like, 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 RJ might have put standards on you two girls that might be literally impossible to maintain. Um, good luck, basically, is all I can say in but response to that. But since when have women ever had the goalpost moved on them to unrealistic expectations? <laughs> Never. Especially in racing. Hey, I, 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 I thought I, I continued the trend, RJ, you know, like, get, get him used to the outside confines of podcasts, you know. We'll be fine. Um, <laughs> right, let, let, like, again, there's two more of us on here. Uh, like uh, Our resident super sub and favourite fudge lady, <laughs> Zoe Hamilton. Hello, Zoe. <laughs> Hello. Oh, Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> we did the I intro mean... earlier, Zoe. We did the I... intro earlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, she, she piled on, like, when it wasn't needed. It was like, <laughs> Of all the times for her to come out with this, when we were the the day that we're going to be doing this. Oh dear! Like, hey, it's almost like it encouraged to do a podcast or something last <laughs> week, sort of. But but you know, breaking news today certainly helped. Yep. <laughs> thanks, th- thanks, FIA news cycle. We appreciate you. Normally, I... you drop this stuff a day later. It's really it's, it's really not nice. I, I've never <laughs> seen anyone. I've never seen the internet so wanting of a spin-off to where in the world is Carmen San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. 
And finally, I have to introduce our fifth and final panelist. And many of you people have been asking me for this one for quite some time. Uh, I'm very pleased to announce that uh, joining us on on the show is one of our biggest fans, God help her, and <laughs> and also our favourite inside joke for you guys that don't know her very well. Ladies and gentlemen, Elizabeth Worth is on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, thank you, thank you. Very glad to be here. I'm glad to finally be here. It's been way too long. Elizabeth, have... of course, is um, Elizabeth, of course, um, from the Greg Girls podcast. Also writes for RedBull.com. Um, also is the biggest fan of Coda. Um, mm. Has yep. has a season past all the events. Yep. Also, at one time, former former um, normal one fan of the team that was once known as Manor Formula One team. May they rest in peace. In other, so is he saying that in other words, I did it. She likes pain. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, a little bit of masochism. It's all good. <laughs> to be fair, you're on this show, so you'll fit right in. Um, <laughs> but um, again, like you guys have been asking me for this one for a long time. I'm delighted we were able to make it happen a little bit earlier than we, we planned. But hey, planned. yes, yes, you are. <laughs> don't don't let it go to your head. Um, <laughs> Oh dear. Right, places you can find this real quick. Uh, we'll get that fun stuff out of the way. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101 or on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. You're on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101 and places you can find it our personal Twitters, deep breath, at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, <laughs> at Wee Zoe, at Ryan Eric King, that's of two gays. And if you want to follow Lizzie on Twitter, if you haven't already, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, at Elizabeth underscore Worth. Like, follow all five of us after the show and may God rest your soul. Um, <laughs> and if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon, even though it might not be the best week to plug that given their recent news about changing fees good stuff um you can back us there on patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 five dollars gets you early access to both this show and bike live which is back at the end of next week also i'm going to take a very very small humble brag here uh, just to say a massive thanks to everybody that sent in kind words about me actually being on television um it, it's 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 a weird one. Like it, it came about very suddenly. I have to say, people have been asking me about the full story behind this, and yeah, it's kind of crazy. I got an email on Sunday from the guys at JetX TV. They are a massive esports channel. Um, they are broadcasting over fifty-five million homes, including like on Sky in the UK, and they wanted somebody to talk about the Formula One esports series. Thanks to old buddy Adam Johnson for putting in a word. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I owe Adam like 17 beers now, unfortunately. Um, bless his heart. But uh, he put in a good word with the guys on there, and they invited me on the show. And uh, yeah, it was it was only a brief about five minute thing. Um, but I'm just talking about esports, the uh, the championship winning move from Brandon Lee. You may or may not have seen already. Who listens to our show now? So hi, Brandon. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, and uh, yeah, it's like as well, just talking about that, the series' potential growth in general, and like Fernando Alonso back in the team because Fernando Alonso has does all the cool post retirement stuff, even though he hasn't actually retired yet. You know, that's, that, all, all that fun. So he's got the next chapter plan that is going full Nico Rosberg when he eventually hangs it up. But um, now, a isn't, mass- isn't every isn't Fernando Alonso's post retirement shenanigans just like what he gets into every Sunday evening? 
pretty much. Like, and, and it'll, it'll put it'll put it on Instagram for us all to enjoy, most likely. Um, but uh, yeah, I just would like to say again on the on the show one more time, massive, massive thanks to to Heaven Sayers, um, Adam Johnson, and everybody at Gen X TV for having for for inviting me on. It was an honor, and you know. The first words they said were Andre Harrison of the Motorsport 101 podcast, which is really fucking cool. So thanks to everybody that obviously keeps listening, keeps supporting. You know, these little things wouldn't be possible if it weren't for you guys listening to us. You painful, painful people. Like, I don't know why you guys like pain so much, but it keeps putting me in cool positions. Not bad for a guy who was once told he'll never get anywhere in life with his attitude. Don't be. Uh, but, um, thanks to ev- thanks to everybody who sent who sent kind words regarding that. Do really really appreciate it. Right, enough about me because the show is, isn't about me at all this week. Oh, I'm about to get that one out of the way. Um, but yeah, this is a very special episode. It is a women in motorsports special. Hence the five of us, and hence why most likely me and RJ are taking the backseat role this week. <laughs> it's, it's, your, it's your greatest dream, like average listeners. I'm not going to be talking very much. Probably, oh, maybe. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go take a nap. <laughs> Get your ass back here. <laughs> this is this he, is he's, no... he's literally gonna go to sleep behind the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. this is good to know, you guys. Like we never do this on the show or anything like that. We, we take ourselves far too seriously enough as it is, right? <laughs> right. But um, this is a women in motorsport special. And we've got two of the best women we could possibly have on this podcast to talk about that, which we're honored to have, which is great. Um, uh, again, like which I find it funny because the guy that put the show together was Ryan King this week. Well done, Ryan. Well done. <laughs> yeah. When when took one for the team, sir. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like we're going to be covering a few. You know, we've got we got a few big big bullet points in here, but knowing us, we're inevitably going to tangent in about 114 different directions. So hey, that's bound to be fun listening, right? So the main ones we're going to cover is obviously the current state of female participation in motorsport, a brief history about women in motorsport itself, the structures currently in place to improve participation, or in King's King puts adequately in brackets, or shamelessly cash in, relevant of course. The FIA Women in Motorsport Commission, the news we heard last week regarding the quote-unquote she championship, and I shudder as I even say that, um, <laughs> what what we do to improve female participation, and of course, some of your questions too, some less trashy than others, um, to say the least. So that's our main point, and as we get a, a, a picture of RJ in our Discord chat of him literally on his bed having a nap, let's get into it, and... Um, King, like, you're our backbone on here. <laughs> Sometimes, most of the time, all the time. <laughs> How do you want to kick this off? Uh, well, we could... Let me break down where participation is at. Mainly where, for most people, counts most. In Europe, on the road to Formula One. And, man, it is a dark-ass road if you're a woman. <laughs> Let's see... I can probably yeah I can, I can count as many people as many women as there are in the single seater ladder in Europe. On I could count I could count all of them on one hand, and that's like wow. from form from Formula Four all like the entire ladder on one hand. Where you have uh, Tatiana Calderon in GP three, you have uh, Jamie Chadwick in. In British Formula Three, you have Sophia Flourish in, in various Formula Four series. Oh my God, you have uh, Biscavisser in 
what used... Well, it doesn't exist anymore, this championship. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in other words, King is now already saving fingers. Um. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're done. Four people. Four people. Because, yeah, she was in uh, Formula, Formula V8 3.5, which ceased to exist. Right. And there was also somebody just past season who had just been appointed to a major Formula One race team's uh, junior academy. And after oh, seven yeah. months, they are gone. That's Marta Garcia, um, former Spanish karting champion, basically basically deemed the uh, the golden the golden unicorn. Yeah, uh, the, that the, the Spanish hit. press the Spanish press called her Mini Alonso. No pressure at all, there, girl. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, that's basically where we're at right now. And uh, King, way to start the show with such you know positivity and optimism, and you know. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, and yes, to to this point in time, it has been 25 years since there's been a woman in Formula 1, and it's been 26 years since there's been a woman in what is now Formula 2. That's crazy. To put it into perspective, I'm 25 years old right now as we record this episode. So in, in literally in my lifetime, we've not had a, a woman in, in, a, in full time in Formula 1 or 2. Wow. Oh no no no! There, there's yeah. never been there's never been a woman as a full time driver in Formula One. Nope. No, yeah, we, you get what I meant. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just making this even darker than it already is. <laughs> oh well, God, King, you make it dark enough for us all, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, now just... on the bright side of things here in the United States, things are a bit brighter. We've had. Well, not over the past two seasons. We've it's been a while since we have a full time female driver in IndyCar, but we've had female drivers multiple in one season. Thank God. <laughs> yes. And there are, you know, thankfully there are female drivers in the Mazda Road to Indy. Mm-hmm. Where's my paycheck, Mazda? <laughs> <laughs> we here on Motorsport 101 accept all any and all endorsements and sponsorships. Get in touch at Dre at Motorsport101.net. <laughs> I had to get that in. <laughs> so but... America is, you know, America. We're 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 better than we're 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 better than average. We're not the best, but we're trying. <laughs> was was that Donald Trump's inauguration speech, basically? <laughs> oh no, no, no. It, <laughs> there's no trying, we are the best. <laughs> well, you're certainly better than the UK, which is something that I say through gritted teeth, <laughs> basically. But uh, yeah, again, that's pretty much the state of play in both major, you know, motorsport. And that is that there would be basically the European ladder and you know America as it stands. Like for once, we're looking to uh, looking at the Americans optimistically. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> it's a pleasant change when, of things. Uh, like again, we'll we'll get to this later in the show when they brought up the idea of an all-female series, like being the last step to Formula One. My first thought was, who the hell is gonna race in it? Like I can count every female single-seater driver. Like there's less than a dozen of them. Barely yeah, a feel, half it's, dozen. It's gotta be like you know, ten years in the future. Like you can't just pull these women <laughs> out of nowhere and hope they're gonna just. This woman's yeah, driven a cart not... before once. We can put her in this. Uh-huh. It's like, what, I, what, are, do you guys think you're Mitt Romney? You just have binders full of women somewhere? Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, whoa, King, whoa. 
Whoa! That's normally my gig! God. I, I, I really wish that was, like, the, the worst of GOP depravity, by the way. <laughs> that, yeah. that's, that's when things were brighter. And, like, and if he's listening, Lewis Hamilton will have just got that reference. He will probably uh, just caught up on that. Yeah, just... Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Most Football One, everybody. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, things are shit. Good night. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's jeez. We're already scraping the bottom of the barrel here, aren't we? And it's, it's, and we're already at a half yes. dozen names that can yes. get potentially take part pretty in the much, pretty much, if you're, if you're a female racing driver and you're that good in single-seaters, you're probably no longer in single-seaters right now. You probably mm. went to, you know, either mm. sports car racing or touring cars or just another series where your career prospects are much brighter mm. and your career could last much longer. And Elizabeth, Zoe, would you not agree that that's perfectly fine, honestly? You know, I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, it just kind of blows my mind that we have this, like, yeah, they can just go do things over there, and that's fine. Like, I don't know. Hey, I feel hey, like... hey, Australian Supercars is a respectable championship. I will not say that it's not. It is very great. It is one of my favorites. But if we want to, like, you can't just have you you can't fight for like equality and be like but only in sports cars because that doesn't count in formula one because we're too good for that like (laughs) you can't just do that yes yes it's the best or nothing (laughs) yeah and that like we we don't talk about that in Formula One at all about how you know it might be siphoned off into a bubble and has a rather elitist attitude or anything like that 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 never comes (laughs) up Lewis um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, it's it's not great. It's it, it's it's not great, and like often, like it's it's almost like it's an excuse. It's like, hey, well, you know, Simone is in V8 supercars, and you know this person's here. They're in a sports car race, and then it's fine. They don't need to be in Formula One. Well, like I'm I'm sure many of those people have the best intentions when they say that, but at the same time. It's these are the same guys that that often hold Formula One as the be all and end all pinnacle yeah. with mm-hmm. like anything else is automatically deemed as inferior and that's mm-hmm. that's probably not what what we should be aiming for here because you know these are the same guys that you know get frustrated when their favorite driver gets cut but then still wants to hold F one as a meritocracy. There's a lot of double standards here regarding Formula One if you haven't heard already <laughs> and we 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 don't talk about it on the podcast at all never not in a million years. <laughs> Um, yeah. And it's it's unfortunate because like you've got such a history with Formula One, and it posits itself as like we are the greatest of everything ever, and everything else is inferior, and we're not even gonna like look at it. And the only worthwhile championships are the ones that lead to us. And then and they but they have like no desire whatsoever to pre like put people in a visual role. And I don't know, like you can't just say like. Well, Simone is good in V8 supercars, and that's all we really need. Like, she can go over there, and, you know, it just, it doesn't work that way. Because Formula One is, it's, everyone sees it. Like, it is one of the more watched forms of motorsport. No, no, no. It is the most watched Mm -hmm. form of motorsport. Like, only, only the Olympic Games and the FIFA World Cup have a larger television audience. Mm Mm-hmm. And so like, you, you can't just be like, 
you know, women need a representation on there, mm. and there are female race car drivers out there. And to just, like, I don't know, you, it's wrong. It's wrong. <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, like, I mean, uh, mm, it, it, we're to the point where if something good happens in Formula 1, we got to the point where it's like most people don't really care about it because they expect it because it's Formula 1, not mm -hmm. realizing how backward Formula 1 is. Like, mm -hmm. um, this season we had two black drivers. No one cares. <laughs> Nope. Like people, people didn't even want people didn't even want to consider Pascal Verline black. Like, <laughs> like, like, ha have you seen Pascal's mom? He's definitely black. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's my chocolate brother. <laughs> like, it, but <laughs> he is a brother, and, and, and he definitely counts. But no one ever wanted to even half acknowledge that they were too busy moaning about him dropping out of Australia. For God's sake, I'm not bitter about Verline losing his seat at all. Um... But uh, you get the gist, and yeah, yeah it's it's not pretty. Early. I mean, if you look, at, we didn't even mention this game. But I remember you telling me when, like, I remember the very first highlight reel we ever pulled up on the Motorsport One on YouTube channel was when Susie Wolf first announced Dare to Be Different, and I think the stat you, I remember you giving me was that like the ratio of you know gender of, of people that were applying for Formula Four, which is the most basic single seat entry series. In, in the UK is like 50 to 1 in favor oh of men. Oh my god. Damn. That's yeah. I, rem I remember that one. I do remember you and telling me that it, one. It's, it's gotten worse because there's more Formula 4 championships now because mm -hmm. Spain has one now. Uh, France is finally getting a Formula 4 championship next year. And we only have two female Formula 4 drivers. So you can do, or you can just run the. It is way worse than it was when I first ran that stat. And that was only what? I think two years ago, less than yep. two years ago, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna find out I, exactly when that episode was. Give me a second, there. Be, talk amongst yourselves. <sighs> yeah, yeah it was clearly, clearly, what we need is for Dario to just put Sophia in a go kart the now and start preparing <laughs> her. She's only two, but he needs to prepare her because she is going to be the future. He, she is the one we are depending on. Clearly. Oh my god, <laughs> we talked. We talked about this before we started the show. Don't put all your hopes and dreams on one person, because that's how you <laughs> fail. Yeah. yeah, King, that that Susie Wolf segment you taught me about, that was January 2016, so that's less than two years ago. <laughs> less than two wow. years ago. I, and oh, it's dear. actually somehow gotten worse since then. That's 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 ridiculous. Um, because, hey, there's the bottom tier level of motorsport expands. Unfortunately, participation doesn't come alongside of that. Um, you can't necessarily like ratio it the same, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, again, uh, I feel like people are gonna point it out when they listen to the episode. But it is the signal of an even worse problem. Where motorsports expensive, y'all. When, mm -hmm. when 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 Derek Daly had to pick one of his multiple sons to <laughs> hopefully become a racing driver. <laughs> Sorry, son, you got to be an accountant instead. Like, you might have to fund somebody else's seat one day. Yeah. <laughs> like, Connor, Connor, you get to go, man. <laughs> go get that bacon sponsorship. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, one of them's a successful lacrosse player at university, I think. Yeah. Hey. I'm pretty sure one lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, go, go. can you? <laughs> I can confirm one did play lacrosse. <laughs> We, we get, we're getting the daily inside scoop from Elizabeth Worth here. Like, where, you can't get this on any other podcast. It's great. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> then again, all the brothers do look alike enough that they probably could have just shared the one car. 
it'll, it'll be like twin magic from the better twins in the WWE. You never know which brother was in the car they're at very, any given time. With the very large and square chins and very <laughs> thick heads. What do you mean, David Coulthard's taking part? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, like tangents aside, I mean, again, we, we we've we've noticed that um, again, that's pretty much as as good as we're going to get in terms of well participation in the motorsport. And yeah, I think you've got the tone. It's pretty bleak at the moment. Um, but it wasn't always this bleak. <laughs> King, how, 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 King, how how did we get to this point? Um. Well, let's let's go back to the beginning. And what I mean, the beginning, I'm talking about the first automobile. And how, um, if it wasn't for women, we probably wouldn't have cars right now. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta start somewhere. Yeah, because the first automobile was, well, the development of the first automobile was entirely funded by uh, Bertha Benz, the, the, you know, husband. I mean, the, wow, the wife <laughs> of Carl Whoa, Benz. whoa, whoa, Okay. King, King, like, accidentally was even more progressive than he thought he was being. Atta boy. <laughs> yes. Your heart's uh, she, in the right place, King. She completely funded, she funded the development of the Benz Patton Motor Wagon. Uh, actually, Carl was actually so disappointed by his creation, he thought he was going to pack things up and, like, not even market the car to sell. Then, uh, one day Bertha was like, I'm going to steal this car. <laughs> I mean... Techni- like by modern law, she would have owned it, but back then, law was pretty. Pretty much, it was pretty much you. Were, if you were someone's wife, you were almost their property, so she didn't own anything. Now, how much was- truth is? How much truth is there to the? To the basically, what I understand is that a lot of women were huge fans of the early days of motorsport. Like the majority of fans were women. Hundred percent true. Hundred yeah. percent um, true. For the first couple of Indy Indy five hundreds that they had, in the first like races that they had at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, it was a significantly female crowd. Like, Be- um, the majority was women who turned up and went. Uh, yeah, That's sick. Because um, they brought guys on how to get there. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, cars being so new didn't have the c- cultural connotations that they have today. Like, automobile racing was seen more akin to horse racing is today. Mm-hmm. So, see. like, you know, if you see, you know, women, you know, heading out into droves for the Kentucky Derby or the Royal Ascot, like, it was more akin to that than you, mm-hmm. what motor racing is today. So now, it's even though now it's more a case of, like, places where Wes Welker does, does like, coke and stuff now as opposed to what it was back then. That's kind of nuts. <laughs> God, jeez. I, yeah, I had no was, way that that was a thing. <laughs> there was actually, uh, well, in the in the French media, there was like it, during you know the Belle Epoque period in France before the First World War, there was like a holy trinity of female racing drivers in France. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, there was. Oh my god, because there were racing was a hundred percent equal. As long as you could afford to buy a car. <laughs> so, so you, you saw a lot of equality in motor racing, but, like, all of the the Holy Trinity in motor racing, like, the female trinity in motor racing, all of them were nobility. All of them were aristocrats, but they could afford to buy cars. So no one stopped them from racing. 
<laughs> yeah, well, get get this different kind of a quality problem back then, which hey, it's, yes. it's still it's still kind of a thing now, but still. <laughs> yes, yes, because like one of them was a was a Rothschild. They're, you know, famously known for being wealthy. <laughs> Dude, like, the Prince of Siam, the Prince of Thailand was a regular on the Formula One grid in the <laughs> early 50s, if that, if that tells you anything. And you know, the more expensive motorsport gets, you know, the, the worse this problem becomes. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was the opposite back then. Well, it was the opposite back then because it was not seen as like, it was not seen as an inherently masculine thing to be into motor racing. So... Women being the people who had, quote-unquote, the most free time back then, they were the most, you know, the most keen on motor racing. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Though things quickly, quickly changed. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm talking within the first 25 years. (laughs) Where we ended up with the first well-known incident in motor racing, where... During the 1901 Paris Berlin race, a child was struck and killed. The French government was like, whoa, we need to, like, actually, they didn't even think we need to regulate this. We need to shut this down. They pretty much shut down the sport. The Auto Club de France, like, the, yeah, the, the Auto Club de France, which had, like, female members at the time, they were nobility, Yikes. but they were female members. They had to negotiate with the government. The government said no. They went to the Minister of Agriculture, and he was like, okay, I can help you out here, but I have this shit ton of corn that no one wants to buy. If you race on ethanol, I'll, I'll convince the Prime Minister that you're good to go. And they were like, cool, we'll race on ethanol. <laughs> King's been saving that story for a rainy day, and now he gets to whip it out on the podcast. <laughs> But pretty much, pretty much from that point on, motor racing have been like from the beginning they were paranoid about like just racing in public in general because they they felt like we're not actually racing each other. This is a a reliability trial, guys. Oh, so basically it was like a great big like science experiment then. (laughs) Yeah, pretty pretty much they've been trying to just use like excuses to say that. Uh, we're not actually racing, but in actuality, they were racing. Now they got they got caught because some kid got hit, and now now they were just extremely paranoid about anyone getting hurt motor racing. So it came to it came to the point. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So it's like I was like, that's a kind of like a really bad joke here, but it's like that series. It's series one of tuned all over again, where it's like. It's like test racing all over again. You could race, and I can test as he as he drives the car at six miles an hour. Only this one's obviously a lot darker because oh no, a kid a kid died. We can't race no more. (laughs) And at the same time, racing was becoming more and more professionalized, and less and less uh, a sport of the rich and wealthy. Where when I mean sport of the rich and wealthy, where people just like enter their own cars. There were like professional teams now. Um, pretty much, uh, because they were being seen less and less as automobile drivers and more and more as professional athletes, uh, there was le- there was less a less of an idea of a woman would be the ideal professional athlete. 
Oh. <laughs> so, so, so that culture started to kick in now. Yeah, yeah. Where because racing got seen as a sport, it got seen less and less as a feminine ac- activity. As you do. Uh, though, like, I know uh, Camille Dugast, who was one of the Holy Trinity, did get offered a factory ride for Benz. Not yet Mercedes-Benz, just Benz. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the French government banned her from participating. Yikes. Uh, then pretty much things in Europe just stopped until after the First World War. In America, things were different. America, we had women who drove and were extremely quick, especially one, uh, Joe Newton Conio. She basically, in her first IndyCar race, she finished second, and then the AAA banned all women from competing. <laughs> oh. Jesus. <laughs> like, that's, that's kind of an extreme take there. It's like, she's too good, ban her. Uh, <laughs> ban all of them. <laughs> Like, we're, we're cutting this off at the pass. There's no way another woman can be this good. We're going to play it safe and just ban all of them. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> this this girl from Massachusetts just needs to stop. Like, <laughs> she's ruined it for everybody. But yeah, she, she entered a race in New Orleans. She beat everyone. She Like, it was, like, basically an IndyCar race at the time. Like, all the top drivers showed up. She came second to... Uh, my my quote unquote boy at the time, Ralph De Palma. Like she she came second to pretty much the best driver of the era. So pretty much like yeah, she's a real deal. Mm-hmm. What are we gonna do? And the ban her, ban, ban ban her, ban all of them. Like the many like the American car manufacturers pressured AAA to do this because they had seen what had happened in Europe and they're like we are not taking that risk here especially because people die here more often we need to end this jesus this is like some sort of like really bad like reverse titanic situation it's crazy <laughs> oh this is the world this is the world's slowest version of titanic my friend oh, <laughs> keep keep going tell me more as the as the ship starts to break in the middle <laughs> oh god where where do we go like consequences from this Probably we would have seen a female Grand Prix winner before the First World War. We would have seen a female Indianapolis. We would have seen the first winner in the Indianapolis 500 probably would have been a woman. God, that, that's brutal. Oh my God, where where do I even break that story down? Because <laughs> uh, the the wife uh, the 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 wife of the the director of the the Mormon. Of the, of the Marmon Motor Car Company was their lead driver. And because AAA banned women, she eventually had to quit. She got replaced with, by Ray Haroon, who went on the next year to win the first Indianapolis 500. Damn. So, so in other words, you're saying that, you know, there's, again, there's a very, very good chance here that we could have, or uh, maybe should have had a, 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 the, the first Indy 500 runner be a woman and she ended up losing her seat for the guy who ended up winning that first Indianapolis 500. Yep. Oh, boy. The, and the thing the, is, Ray Haroon wanted to retire. The only reason he took the job, because pretty much, like, he felt uh, Marvin had hired him as an engineer. It was his first job after he entered retirement. Uh, they lost their lead driver. We need a driver. 
Ray was like one of the best drivers around, but ended retired. They pressured him to. They Felipe Massa'd him oh, into right. the <laughs> It's like Ray, can you do us a solid and like you know come out of retirement just just once? <sighs> we like, promise we'll never ask again. <sighs> like our lead, our, our lead driver, my wife Martha, she got she got bad, man. We're we're, we're the big pickle here. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So where do we go from there? Where do we go from here? Last time, next time we would see women in like single seater motor racing would be the 1920s, and probably the most famous female racing, like pre-war Grand Prix driver, like Helen Nice, mm-hmm. where she went from being famous cabaret dancer and al- avid alpine skier, and ended up having a career-ending skiing accident. Pretty much like. Guess I'm gonna do racing full time now. <laughs> she wanted, she wanted all female Grand Prix. Eventually, pretty much was on the Bugatti factory team. Almost, almost got a podium, and then had a career-ending accident. Oh, that, I, that I'm not saying it. I should say incident because it was not an accident. <laughs> Oh. It was it was purposely caused. Fuck it out. Because the way the, the way the Grand Prix schedule worked back then, obviously they have the European races, but in their quote unquote off season, a lot of the Grand Prix drivers they went to go race in South America. So Oh, I forgot which year. I need to look this up, which which Rio de Janeiro Grand Prix it was. It was uh, oh, it was the nineteen. It was the nineteen thirty-six Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Uh, she was she was racing for a podium behind the Brazilian driver of the day, uh, Manuel de Tefre, and pretty much mm, last lap he runs her off the road and you know hits a hay bale, somersaults through the air. Only reason she didn't die because. Uh, a soldier, like a Brazilian soldier, soldier who was a track marshal di- that day, broke her fall. He died instantly. Oh God! <laughs> she was in a coma for like about a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Her career is over. I mean, she tried to come back after the the Second World War, but stuff happens. She didn't she try to like come back and she couldn't get funding, like because I thought she had like Nazi like. Accusations, like yes, yes. Louis the... Chiron basically walked over to her pointer and went Gestapo, uh, and that was it. Well, that'll do it. History is a history is a motherfucker, isn't it, Jace? Uh-huh. <laughs> but also, in the same period, you had uh, Elizabeth um, Junkin, who mm-hmm. it's where I can't where where she I think it's now Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. And she used to race with her husband. The, the two of them were quite successful. And they also raced for Bugatti. And then her husband died. And she just decided to retire. And Bugatti yeah. basically went, have, have a car. Have any car you like. <laughs> so she used to go touring and selling, like, encouraging people to buy Bugattis. And then after World War Two and the communist regime took over, they went, we do not like the fact that you travel. And that was it. She was based. They basically took her passport and kept her. Like didn't let her travel or anything wow. because they felt she'd be a bad influence. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! 
Yeah, don't 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 be a Grand Prix driver in a communist country. Uh-huh. But the thing was, she outlived the communist regime. So, like, as soon as it fell, like, uh, within Bugatti sort of circles, her name became known again. And even though she was advised against it, she went to America for one of the anniversary events for Bugatti. Oh yeah, yeah. She she went to one of the the Pebble Beach concours, like you know, like. The famous like concours where they just roll out classic cars. Like she went to one of them before she died. I see. Oh god! Now we got to talk about after World War Two, where things start getting just sad. <laughs> Do tell. Well, IndyCar wouldn't see a female driver until Janet Guthrie. <laughs> That'd be a familiar name to a lot of people listening to this. Yes, uh, she w- she would be the first female driver to compete in both the Indianapolis 500 and the Daytona 500. And like IndyCar has never actually seen a full time female driver until like the past 15 years. That that's depressing. I mean, we joked about it before we actually recorded this, but like just how late segregation was removed in IndyCar is mind-boggling. Yeah, like, again, AAA banned women in 1908, and Janet Guthrie wouldn't qualify for an Indianapolis 500 until the mid-70s. Until 77. So, in other words, America went to, went, went to the moon eight years before they allowed a woman to qualify for the Indy 500. Yeah. I mean, she she wasn't like a bad driver or anything. She oh no, she goodness, had, no. Yeah, she was like, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that, that wasn't that wasn't the problem here. <laughs> now, like uh, outside of Indianapolis, she did a couple of a handful of IndyCar races. I know, like her best finish was like a fifth place. Mm-hmm. She got she hopped into one of AJ Foyt's cars on a practice test and was immediately one of the quickest people on the circuit. She crushed it, and then. They had been in talks to let her drive his car, like one of the Foyt cars for the race, and for the 500. And once she did that, they were like, no, nope, you are, you're actually fast in it. Uh, we just wanted to prove a point that women can be fast, but you don't actually get to drive, sorry. So in other words, they use Guffrey as propaganda, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. For fuck's sake. That was, that was kind of... Her first run at the 500, they didn't even have a car when they announced that she was going to do it. They just oh, yeah. kind of, mm. yeah, that just, sounds like, familiar. jumped the gun and were like, we're going to say there's going to be a woman at the Indy 500 and everyone's going to pay attention to us and then we'll get sponsorship. And then they didn't. Oh. Yeah. The, the first, the first 500 she entered, the 1976 500 G, mm-hmm. uh, she didn't post an attempt because she didn't have a car. Yeah. <laughs> Not great. Not great. It's it's, it's kind of a requirement, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's like, mm, talking about Formula One at the same time period, there was, oh my, there was a number of female drivers, but like... Very brief. Yeah, Lola Lombardi. Lola Lombardi was probably your most prolific. Got half of a point. In the 1975 Spanish Grand Prix, driving a customer march. But to point out, the ch- point system was different, so she finished sixth. 
which was yes. good. Like that she, was. A, mm-hmm. Yeah, she finished sixth in a race, then reached full distance. So they gave half points. So instead of getting one point, she got, she got half, half a point. point. Yeah. The ugliest point, the half point. <laughs> but, um, yeah, jeez. Uh, carry on, King. Yeah, and I'd say other notable, because there's only been five, so it's not. There is Maria Theresa de, Philip, de, de Philippus, where she, she was F1's first female driver in 1958, where, like, she didn't qualify for Monaco, but a lot, like a lot of people like to point out, she 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 failed to qualify, but she did post a faster time than one other person who also failed to qualify, Bernie Ecclestone. <laughs> oh, that short little fucker. <laughs> and that's where that... his hatred of women started. Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, we, we found the root of all evil. <laughs> we found it. Somebody get a time to somebody get a TARDIS and let's go back. Quick, quick. Yeah, later, later that year, she would qualify for the Belgian Grand Prix, where she would finish 10th, the last running car on track, because, like, half the cars failed to finish, because, you know, late 50s Formula 1. <laughs> Reliability be damned. Yeah, so, like, on paper, she beat uh, Jack Brabham, uh, Graham Hill, uh, yep, those were, like, the two most notable drivers out of the list of all the non-finishers that she ended up beating. Still a good list. Yeah. Because, yeah. Technically correct is the best kind of correct. Of course. Because to win, first you need to finish. They didn't finish. She did. Uh, (laughs) Very true. Yeah, besides Felipe, uh, the next time you would see... Actually, no. After Layla Lombardi... no woman has ever qualified for a Grand Prix. So, nope. right. most recent attempt was uh, Giovanna Amati in 1992. Desiree Wilson, um, I believe she won a British Formula One race, which is kind of like Formula Aurora, Formula Libre, something like that. Yeah. Like, it wasn't the Formula One, the Formula One. It was run to the same regulations, just not the world championship. But she yes. did win a race in that category, and that does have to count for something. And she mm-hmm. did spend like om- like almost a full year in IndyCar. She, like nineteen ninety three, she spent almost the entire year in IndyCar. Best finish, tenth place at the Cleveland Grand Prix. Go Cleveland! <laughs> Still the best thing to come out of Cleveland besides LeBron James. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, most recent most recent attempt at qualifying, Giovanna Amati, nineteen ninety. Two, she raced in International Formula 3091, which is today FIA Formula 2. So she is the most recent driver to try to to be a full-time driver in Formula 2 and attempt to qualify for a Formula 1 Grand Prix. And that is Ouch. that's pretty much the end of the story. Because we've had, since then, we've had a lot of women test Formula 1 cars. We've had uh, Sarah Fisher test in Formula 1. Uh, yeah, Sarah Fisher... Oh my God! There's so many women. <laughs> Sarah Fisher, <laughs> uh, Susie Wolf, Simona Di Silvestro, uh, uh, and Maria De, De Volata. and those have been the four women who have driven a Formula One car since then. Yeah, and is and yeah, doesn't this point out one of the problems that you know they're here pretty much to test, get a token test, and then 
just be pushed off to the side so you could just kind of forget about them. You yeah. get all the good publicity of the test, and everyone uh-huh. says, oh, great job, you've signed a woman for something, and then, like, yeah, your day is done, bye. Yeah, because, um, no, like, no woman has reached a point, like, reached a point where actually being a woman would help them in terms of marketing mm-hmm. and stuff like that, because, again, it's been more than a quarter century than a, since a woman has been in Formula 2. And Formula 2 doesn't even get that much TV coverage to begin with. To most people, mm-hmm. you're just a name on a piece of paper. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, we've had names since, but, again, like I said, as Lizzie quite rightly points out, it's, it's a case of... You get all the positive PR spin of you know hiring a woman and you know giving them a job and obviously that publicity. Like I think we got with Susie Wolf a lot of time when she was Williams, but again naturally people were very cynical regarding that. And hey, Williams didn't have the actual you know potential you know caveat of that of you know potentially hiring her. And sadly, she got she got more of a name for herself at the time for being well the wife of a very prominent team boss. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure the most notable thing I could remember from that, when Williams finally needed a reserve driver, they didn't call her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Hey, man, someone's going to give Adrian sit all those paychecks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah, like, no Lynn, but they, they, they were able to, like, hey, let, let, let's break Adrian since allow pseudo-retirement. Fun times. And yeah, after that one, the writing was pretty much on the wall for Susie on that one. Um, I think the issue there, wasn't it, that she didn't have a super license, though? Like, she hadn't competed in enough races that she wouldn't have been able to actually get in a Formula One car and compete with it. Yeah. That didn't that didn't stop people spinning a Masushita earlier this year for Toro Rosso. Like, don't, don't, let, don't let facts get in the way of a good argument, Liz. <laughs> because, at, because at the time, Susie Wolf had an had a Friday-only super license because those mm-hmm. did exist. Oh, so you got, you got like, like, like the provisional driving license. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In other words, it makes a really great form of ID and not much else. Yeah. But again, that just like that was back in the day where you just needed enough mileage and you would get a super license. So if mm-hmm. Williams wanted her to have a super license, she would have had a super license. Mm-hmm. That's but true. King, they were a cool thing to have. Like I remember back in the day of Alex Rossi having on his Twitter pro- Twitter bio the only American to hold an F one super license. Those are the yeah. days. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of scary when actually stepping back and thinking about it. There, I'm pretty sure there are more Americans in the European feeder like in the feeder series system than women. Wow. <laughs> That's not a high bar to me. Yeah. No, like, the, the Americans are coming. <laughs> the Americans are coming here. That's not a good sign. <laughs> when there are more Americans coming there than women, just co- <laughs> women from those countries, it is scary. Yeah, we, we kind of boned on that one. But Neil Verhagen, you're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, King. <laughs> Way to make the UK look even worse than normal. Trust me, we may, we do a bad enough job of that ourselves. Um, <laughs> How does it look on the motorcycle side of things? Yeah, Dre. As, as, yeah, as, yeah. as, as, as Formula One's two-wheeled equivalent MotoGP, you have riders like Ada Carrasco, Maria Herrera, who've been there recently. Tara yeah. Rine is a fascinating story. Tara mm-hmm. Rine, a Finnish rider, who actually beat the likes of Mika Hakkinen when she was driving at go-karts. 
She raced in what was a, what would become Moto 3 back in the late 80s, but she had a terrible accident, and I believe through some form of circumstance, basically Bernie Ecclestone just basically told her, you cannot race anymore. That's not tr- that. That's not true. She actually, I did the research. She ran into financial difficulties and had to retire. That that's like first. I was skeptical that how could Bernie ban a rider from MotoGP? Then I looked. It was totally made up. Yeah, I mean, on on the MotoGP side of things, yeah, there's a little bit of hope there. Anna Carrasco made a decent name for herself. Obviously, this year made had the Fuji to be the first woman to win a what's deemed as a world championship race um we're going winning in the brand new super sport 300 class um which is one of the feeder series races um on the world superbike calendar alongside obviously the super sport series and the stock 1000s um which is great maria herrera has been a multiple time point scorer in moto 3 as well on many occasions and is more than capable of running in the points um, on a good day um, as well. We've also had um, Jenny Timoth in the World Superbike Series as well. Also, sorry, sorry, the British Superbike Series domestically. So, again, there's a few names out there, but I'd be lying to you if I said the uh, numbers were plentiful because they're just not, unfortunately. Um, that's just how it is right now. And, yeah, the, the numbers are few and far between. The ones we do have are pretty good, but... Again, it's it's the same deals we've, we've alluded to earlier. I think participation on the lowest level is probably the biggest drawback to potentially getting more women on the ladder and possibly into two wheels as well as four, quite frankly. I mean, you even had, like, um, David Coulthard um, said his sister, she was actually the better go-karter. But as they grew up, she, like, obviously... Like if you consider that maybe that like how it generally goes as you go up the lad like the ladders you'll have the ones who grow out of interest, the financial, and like just don't have the skill, and you think how that pool shrinks if you're already starting with a really small pool of like girls and the exact same proportions is happening there then that pool is shrinking even faster. Yeah. And that's enough with the, again, as I mentioned earlier, with Junior Series continuing to expand um, and you know becoming even more regional than ever before. It's only going to, again, just uh, make the pool bigger. And again, like participation is not going alongside that. So, uh, yeah, you're kind of boned on that one, really. Um, but, yeah, King, I mean, King, where do we go from here now? I mean, should we talk about the Women in Motorsport Commission on this one and you know where we're at right now with that? Yes. Because the Women in Motorsport Commission, the, uh, mm, Let, the let's, let's just let's just say it kind of made the news today. It did. <laughs> it did on this Friday, December eighth, two thousand seventeen. Yes, because someone decided to publicly announce that they've been elected to a position that the FIA hasn't even announced themselves yet. Grab your pitchforks, yo! Yeah, it's time. <laughs> Uh, well, if you're on the internet, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, King, tell us a little bit more about the commission. <laughs> well, yes, they were founded in... Ni- uh, they were founded in 2009. I was about to say 1999. I was about- 19, you're giving us far too much optimism here. <laughs> no, no. Um, oh, God. Because I don't want to put any words in the FIA's mouth to make them look better than they already seem. I'm just going to use... <laughs> I want to just use a statement 
that they put out about why they feel that this commission should exist. One, to show that that they, women, are recognized by the highest body in charge of motorsport. To show that the door is open to women in all aspects of motorsport, including among drivers, officials, and positions in the Federation, etc. Two, to support and accompany uh, current female drivers to encourage participation of new young drivers and officials to promote the involvement of women at all levels of motorsport and to highlight where women are successful, thus, stre- thus strengthening their participation. End quote. Mm. I, I like that you had to use end quote there. It's like, yay! <laughs> These words are so optimistic! Ooh. Yeah, it's it's a pretty optimistic group. Uh, there's no doubt it, they are uh, they are optimisms on optimisms. <laughs> <laughs> How about the reality of it then, King? <laughs> Ooh. Different, I'm gonna say. Very, very different. I mean, it's not, they they achieve the goals that they set out for themselves. But their goals aren't that high. <laughs> just the collective. <laughs> yeah, just, 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 yeah. The, the the stunned silence there kind of said it all, really. Um, yeah, it's like they have these goals, but I mean, King, what are they doing in the ways to potentially reach that? I mean, uh, like their goals are always always really really small, like. Pretty much, their one of their biggest accomplishments is that every year the FIA has a, a young karting academy where they have basically like just a three race series where they have all like young karters from around the world compete, learn how to become you know better drivers and things like that. And pretty much their goal is like, hey, um, we want a woman in the academy, like at least one woman in the academy every year, and they signed a seven-year agreement with the with the carding committee to have at least one woman in the academy every year. Yeah, that really doesn't seem like that lofty a goal in the grand scheme of things, does it? Yeah, it's not. It's... They're... They're... They're, they're a baby steps committee. They're, like, so, like... These are very achievable like, you know, and what? reasonable goals. <laughs> but they're not really looking at, like, a big picture. Or, like... They kind of are, but it's, it's, uh, I don't know. They're looking at a big picture, but they're focusing on one bit of the big picture. Yeah. It's like, if, if you'd be creating a commission of that size, like, the first question I'd be asking myself is, well, what's the end game here? Mm-hmm. Like, what is said bigger picture? Like, what's your ultimate goal? At what point would you be satisfied? And, um, well, they do have a mission, a mission, well, I wouldn't say a statement. They have, they have... Uh, a list of six bullet points. <laughs> oh boy. One. Six. To cre- <sighs> one. To create a sports culture which facilitates and values the full participation of women in all aspects of motorsport. Two. Sure. To set in place strategies and policies to promote the education and training of women in motorsport. Three. To work with the FIA's sporting and non sporting commissions. ASNs, which is the National Automobile Clubs, and other key international federations on joint sporting projects. Four, to implement actions 
to implement actions and events to allow the sharing of experiences and reflect on how to strengthen the participation of women uh, as drivers, officials, and managers of motorsport, which, again, that basically means we're going to have yearly seminars, which they've already done. They've achieved that goal. Check that off. Yeah, we, 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 we got one of the six down, yo. We got one of the six down. We're off to a good start. Five, to collaborate with other organizations on joint projects for women and sport. Six, to take an active role in international forums and conferences devoted to the place of women in sport and in the advances that can be made. So, the mission you know, statement sounds... tell you yeah, to, sound set, like, to set like your New Year's <laughs> resolution and they say to make it an achievable but quantifiable goal? It is not quantifiable no, in any way, shape, really or form. No, it's really not. Because you can argue that they've really done every single one of those things. But at what point are you supposed to be satisfied with that? Like, are we supposed to say, well, they did it, so we can just be happy because they're working, but also the fact that they kind of haven't had a huge effect. Yeah, like, ooh. How do, how do I start to break this down? <laughs> yeah, it's like like it's a, to quote any business term. These are not what you call smart like smart objectives, um, as the acronym rolls down the screen. <laughs> like uh, it's it's uh, but uh, I mean, okay, go for it. I mean, like break it down. I'm all this. <sighs> I mean, there mm, there has been a decent amount of flip flopping on their positions, which I mean, it's. Their their standards, their their multiple like past double standards. Uh oh. Like it's like you mean Formula One that's always had the reputation of having a ridiculous amount of double standards. Set up a commission that has since shown to have had numerous double standards. Oh god damn it! <laughs> so there no. is uh, an interview in Motorsport on Motorsport.com where they do a Q and A with the president of the commission. Uh, Michel Moudon, who was, you know, uh, 1982 World World Rally Championship runner-up, and pretty much since she retired from karting, she spent her whole year, de- I mean, pretty much she spent her whole career devoted to rallying. She still runs the World Rally Championship. She is the head, of, she is Ross Braun's equivalent in the WRC. As a competitor, there have been very few women who have blazed a trail blazed a trail like Michelle Mouton, it's fair to say. Yes. And question from motorsport.com. Should the FIA fund promising young female drivers? Mouton's response, no. We are here to promote and support them, but we cannot sponsor them. We can help them find money, but from a different angle, by talking to manufacturers, with media coverage, but we cannot support every girl financially. This interview was conducted in 2004. Wait for the punchline, kids. Wait for it. Wait for it. Their first year, the Women in Motorsport Commission, 2009, uh, by October 2010, they found a Danish driver. uh, They fully funded a ride for her in the Volkswagen Sirocco R Cup, which I believe is one of the support series to DTM. But yeah, they fully funded a ride for her and then a different Danish driver the next year. Yeah, so, in other words, as soon as this commission actually ended up being created, it turned out they were actually fully funding women in race seats, even though they said they couldn't. 
it's no no that, even though they said they couldn't after the fact that they already did yeah yeah for, for a support series for an off-brand step to formula one that's kind of spicy because it's kind of like single seaters but it's not so yeah. you're like you're like seven or eight degrees removed from actually, you know, funding. So I'm, I, so, so I, I just like to put why couldn't they do this for Formula Four? I'm just you'd think. I mean, King, you've talked about it before on numerous occasions that you know, hey, to get participation up, maybe going at it from the bottom and having maybe a females only Formula Four series would be a great idea. Um, but if you get a fun, promising young driver, surely at the bottom level that would be the way to go. But no, not quite. It's weird. Yeah. Well, mm, she doesn't seem to be that keen on single seaters. That that seems to be my gist from looking at it. It's she's more mm. interested in literally everything else. It'd rather be sports cars, touring cars, <laughs> rallying, like anything else. On paper, that sounds great, um, but yeah, it's it's not quite as simple as that, is it, King? No, it's like like quick estimate in my head. Uh, Michelle Mouton, she started her rallying career at like about twenty years old. You can't do that in single seaters. <laughs> no, like that, that is that is stuff you're talking from like eight, nine, ten years old most of the time. Yeah. Um, and pretty much twenty. That's her angle when it comes to these issues, where it's much you're you're gonna get a bigger return on investment if you fund someone in a small touring car series and they're about twenty five years old and they pretty much like they have another career. So if this fails, they have a backup plan to, that they can fall back on. And it's it wouldn't take that much for them to be able to be in a secure place to continue racing. It sounds like they're not willing to take a whole lot of risks here, which I think is exactly what you yeah. need to do in order to make women in motorsport a viable option. Yep, you hit the point that I was like <laughs> kind of leaning towards, but never really wanted to outright. They are afraid of risk. Anything yeah. that involves them like, losing you can the go FIA with a safe money. Option, but you know, in the long term, like, is that actually going to change the perception of women in motorsport? Because you put them in a touring car that races locally, and that's it. It doesn't yeah, really work that way. <laughs> well, the problem is, it like, if if you're outnumbered a hundred to one, and, and 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 you're betting it on the one against the one hundred, outside of the game show, the odds of them winning are still very slim. So, like, I guess that's the attitude the FIA's got in the sense of, hey. Like, well, the, the participation is sort of, we can't gamble on this one or two people that are in it, because, you know, numbers suggest they're not going to be successful, and that's probably not the right way to go about this, unfortunately, because, like, they're not just going to flood in, in like, within, within 10 seconds, if, you, if you're having money on you to possibly sponsor these guys, like, you've got to really go at this from the ground up and roll the dice, but mm-hmm. they, they're not doing that at the moment. Oh, but uh, I think we should take the time to go on a wild tangent to sure. the, to the organization that decide, hey, um, this gamble's worth it, guys. We're gonna you talk tell. About, we're gonna talk about NASCAR. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Huh? 
What? NASCAR? Inclusion stuff? Okay, go on, King. Surprise those people that don't know. (laughs) Well, this... mm, How do I explain this? First of all, the 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 NASCAR uh, NASCAR's diversity program wasn't actually started by NASCAR. <laughs> like surprising, like NASCAR's mm. diversity program was founded by Dodge. And if RJ could tell you anything about Dodge NASCAR, there's a reason NASCAR had to take it over. <laughs> mm, goodness, yeah, because uh, because I believe uh, Dodge were were there the last decade and were there were were there and they were gone again. Yeah, so Dodge began their NASCAR diversity program in 1999, where they signed Carlos Contreras, a Mexican driver, to uh, Richard Petty Motorsports in the Craftsman Truck Series. But the way Dodge used the program, it's going it, to... The, the flaws are going to start to appear really fast. The next driver they signed in the year 2000 was... Willie T. Ribs. Willie T. Wait Ribs. a minute. Yes, Willie T. Ribs, who became the first, the first African American qualified for the Indianapolis 500 in 1991. <laughs> 1991. Bit of a gap there in terms of years. <laughs> yes, uh, it was clear that they were aiming towards uh, established sports car drivers who were from a diverse background and trying trying them to move in the stock cars and eventually eventually when Dodge left NASCAR they kept heading down that route but then they realized that NASCAR wasn't becoming more diverse they needed a new solution uh someone decided to take a huge huge gamble NASCAR decided to hand the program to uh, NASCAR's highest-ranking minority executive in the series, which was uh, uh, Max Siegel, who at the time, I believe he was, uh, he was the president of global operations at Dale Earnhardt, at Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. So he was the highest-ranking minority. Like, in terms of positions, that, that'd be basically, hey, if, if Formula One is like, hey, we have this diversity program, it's not working out so well, uh, Claire, Claire Williams, could you, could you, like, take the program over and see what you could do with it? <laughs> so, Max Siegel, he was so invested in this program. He wanted this program to work. He invested $3 million of his own money into the program. Whew! Uh, and he started his own racing team to be the development team for this program called uh, Rev Racing. So they race in the K&M Pro Series and the like Wheel and Modified Series. Like basically all the smaller series outside NASCAR's top three national series. Yes, your regional touring series. So basically, uh, pretty much I think every year they select a group of drivers that they feel would be best suited for the diversity program. There's like, uh, it's it's through a series of on-track and off-track testing. And then pretty much the drivers they select, they put into rev racing for a year, see what works out. And it's been successful. Like, it has been extremely successful. The drivers, like, 
the three best drivers that go through the doors at Rev Racing were Kyle Larson, Bubba Wallace, and Daniel Suarez. That's that's three stars of the future that NASCAR can easily build themselves around. Yeah, absolutely. Like the next fifteen to twenty years. Kyle Larson, twenty fourteen NASCAR Cup Series Rookie of the Year. Uh, Daniel Suarez won the NASCAR Xfinity Series, I believe, last year. Or was yes, it two in twenty sixteen would be the equivalent for motorcycle fans of him becoming the Moto Two champion. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and. Uh, Bubba Wallace is going to be driving dri- well he's not going to be driving he's going to be driving the 43 next year yes that's the 40- That's the Richard Petty 43 the Petty family 43 one of the most famous numbers most famous cars in the series for over a half century it's pretty mm-hmm. good but like a lot of people don't know this Max Siegel is more famous than what he's done in NASCAR. He used to be the head of USA track and field. <laughs> like, he has connections <laughs> with Nike, like all these major companies that sponsor, you know, the U.S. Olympic team. And he goes he goes out of his way for each of the drivers in the diversity program. He personally finds them a sponsor for after they leave the team. Wow. Like, he's single-handedly the reason why... NASCAR's diversity program is so successful. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, ju- it's not just the drivers, though, is it? No, because they also have it for crew members, whether it be pit crew or the mechanics who work on the car. Uh, their placement program for, you know, crew members is, I think, transferring over to full time NASCAR careers, 99% placement rate. Yikes. Wow. So, That's like, incredible. Every, any person that gets selected for the diversity program as a crew member, it's almost guaranteed you're going to have a full-time job in NASCAR afterwards. That is... Well, that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. What it's, sort of camp could you guarantee that? Very few. And, yeah, like, they took a gamble, and it, it's been working, and it's still working extremely successfully. <laughs> Oh, a guy can dream, can't we? <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like you know, you know, with Formula One fans and kind of living in their bubble, and they look down on NASCAR as just this really backwoods and terrible sport where nobody has any talent. They just make left turns. Everybody is just regressive as hell. But you know, if if you're less inclusive than NASCAR, that's on you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big problem. That's on. <laughs> Like, again, the bar is not very high here, folks. It isn't. And, uh, yeah, like, NASCAR is leading the charge, which is something that I never thought I would say on this show. Uh, <laughs> though, though, close second place. I, I do have to... MotoGP. MotoGP is close second. Yeah, they, they are doing a great job of expanding into more regional um, talent cups. Like, the British talent cup um, started up. It's starting up next next year as well, um, which is great. Um, the Asia Talent Cup has been a thing now for for many years over there, as a single seat series. And again, like Dorna in general is doing more to fund independent teams in the sport. This is part of the reason why MotoGP has been so fantastic this year. Um, the, thing, the thing is, if you want any of these programs to be successful, you have to go in it with the idea of you're going to lose money. You're going to lose yeah. a lot of money, <laughs> especially in especially in the early going. But you know, no, no, no. If, you're you're never gonna see that money back. You, never. Right. 
Dorna, like, as a whole, they'll eventually get that back. But, like, Max Siegel, he's never getting that money back. Yeah. But look look, look at the legacy we'll end up creating down the road. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like, incredible. Ma- imagine how how proud he'll feel if Kyle Larson or, like, any of the drivers in the program ever win the cup title. Money like, well spent. Yeah, like, pretty much he'd, like... He'd be the only reason why they eventually got their foot in the door in this in, in NASCAR, mm-hmm. right? So we've seen the commission, and we've seen how you know other programs are working in, in different series, which I think leads us quite nicely. Um, and another site might be in order here to last week's story that broke um, regarding the quote-unquote she championship. I mean. Oof. First of all, the name is horrible. It's, <laughs> had, it's, it's you horrendous. You had the opportunity to call it Formula Woman, and you didn't. <laughs> yeah, like... It, you can hmm. just picture it being written in, like, you know, like, when, like, sort of clouds, like, made out of little bubble clouds, and then all shaded with their pinks and purples. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah, all it need would be some, like, love hearts you got from clip art on Microsoft like, Word. Like, why couldn't they just pick something generic? Because it literally would have worked fine, and it would have seemed way more professional. Just like how, like, the Professional Women's Soccer League here in the U.S. is called the National Women's Soccer League. It says what it says in the box, and it does exactly what it needs to do. The Women's Six Nations. Yes, the Women's Six... Like, <laughs> you, 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 know, you know what the Six Nations are, and you know... What women are. (laughs) I hope so. I sincerely hope so at this point. But, uh, yeah, like, you didn't have to, like, basically thrust the whole women thing right in their face to an obnoxious degree like this name does, basically. But, yeah. It's so reductive, too. Like, I don't know. There's no dignity to it, I guess. Like, it's it's just... I don't know because they want to posit it as such an equal thing to Formula like, One, and it's not even a Formula series. Wait, it's wait, a name it, for namesake. Wait, wait, mm-hmm. it's it's not a it, wait. Are they not running single seater cars? Well, yeah, but you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like oh. six races. It's supposed to be like six races. Yeah, and it's like, it's like what have you? Like what? How many teams are you expecting to have, and how many drivers? Per yeah, team I think that that's that's the have? issue where it's like, in let let's say MotoGP's Asia Talent Cup, there are no teams. Like they pretty much, uh, it's it's a centrally organized championship. Dorna, they hire the all the mechanics, they pay for all the bikes. Like there's no teams. They're just there to find out who's the best guy here. So, and as we mentioned uh, at the top of the just, show, I can't it's see like them doing that. yeah, because they're not. This is a cash grab. I'm sorry to say, but this is a cash grab. Yeah. Whatever gave you that idea, King? I mean, <laughs> like I saw a bright and sustainable future here, King. Like, like, why are you so cynical regarding this? <laughs> oh my god. Go on, King. I was being serious. <laughs> There's no way this is serious. There's. Uh. <laughs> I hope it's not. I hope they didn't sit down 
in this big group of people and somehow decide that this was an intelligent, thought-out opinion. <laughs> it's not. It is not. It is. Yes. Like. And I wonder, I remember what the big prize was at the end. An <laughs> F1 test drive. That exact. Ooh. That exact same redundant shit that we talked about an hour ago. Yeah, we all like, know exactly how many times a test drive has yeah. paid off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, ask, ask Robert in March. Um, you know, you never know, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the the back history isn't isn't very promising on this one, unfortunately. But, you know, the, the prospect of a quote-unquote she championship, quote-unquote formula women, we've been here before, folks. Um, and, yeah, like, as we mentioned earlier, the amount of active women that, are participating in single seat racing is again like less than two hands here and on top of that those that are racing in single seat series right now why the fuck would you give up your job right now for this it was a cash grab the moment says hey we're looking to sell the broadcast rights if you're looking to televise if you're looking to Ah. televise this championship you are here for the wrong reasons hey the fact that like Every like, you you look back to that announcement, and you look at every like pretty much every female driver there is. Mm-hmm. Not a single one had anything positive to say about it. Not one, except for Carmen Apart, Jordan. Uh, well, <laughs> no, I, I, I said I said an actual driver, not like a driver in quotations. Yeah, like 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 it's in, it's an in inverted commas here, folks. It's like it's an, it's an italics. It's like yeah, drivers kind yeah, of stretch but like, here. Even but... like the the on paper, this seems like a terrible idea. Like even if it wasn't an all female racing series, it was a ter- it seems like a terrible idea. Yeah, their first season, they're gonna have six races, five in Europe and one in the United States with twelve cars. You're gonna have an international racing series with only twelve cars, and number. And it's going to be second, second only in Formula up. 1. And they're only going to race six races a year. Oh, my God. Yeah. Six races that, a year in a 12 car championship. Formula 2 races more races Japan. than that. Yeah. No, but you see, the plan is, after that first season, Japan's going to sit there going, why did we get Come here. <laughs> Clearly, that's what they're expecting. I'm getting a lot of vibes of um, King will be familiar with team the the track series that tried to be like team sports racing, but it was also NASCAR, but it was also Trans Am. Uh, they had a plan drawn up and everything, and it never raced. I'm getting a lot of vibes from that, and I'm getting a lot of vibes from, from a series that pretty much, you know, just reinforces the um, reinforces you know exclusion in motorsport, especially when like. It's a series that high. It's it's like, it's not like the talent cups like MotoGP has. It's not because like if if the if the Asian talent cup was only second to the MotoGP World Championship, where they expect like whoever wins this is going to be in MotoGP next year, we would have a whole different perspective about that championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like somehow Mark Marquez would be quivering right now at the very thought of the Asia Talent Cup being like the breeding ground for new competition for him. But um, yeah, like the Asia Talent Cup, for what it's worth, is you know four or five notches down compared to what the end game is here. I mean, it's below the Junior yeah, World like, Championship you, now, which used you to go be despite the CV series. It, it says on the page you don't even have to have racing experience to apply. <laughs> 
bright. Like it, it's it's there for anybody to have a go, basically. Yeah. You know, so. Right. I'm if... going. I mean, I can't even try. Let's go, Let's go for it. <laughs> Zoe Hamilton on a race bike. I need to. I need to make this happen. How much have I got to pay? Like to make to make you this don't a thing. Have any racing <laughs> experience to to apply? Like they recommend that you have some kind of experience. Because like they're gonna they're gonna narrow down the applications and you're just probably gonna be the first to go. But <laughs> it's it's free to apply. It's free to compete. Like it's literally a case of you know if you've got talent, then this is the place for you to start your, yeah, to start like, your path. Yeah, it works. It, it works. It it works at the grassroots level. What mm-hmm. the she championship is trying to be what? is just like. A Formula Two equivalent series, or a GP3 it, series, which is two or three steps up the ladder. They, 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 and you know, they don't. It has unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm. and the end goal is not even a guarantee of anything yeah, like, meaningful. It's basically going to be the end goal. Like, <laughs> is the end that goal. championship is going to be the only thing you can strive for because that is. Like, why do we need women in yeah, F1 cause, if they've got cause their pretty own much, championship? Pretty much, F1. you win the she championship, you get the Formula 1 test, you don't get a Formula 1 drive, what happens next? You come back to the she championship have, again next year. What you have is a vanity yep. project. You have mm-hmm. a vanity project centered around, well, based on the projections here, it's centered around somebody who... Um, of all the women who are actively competing in motorsport, is probably one of the least qualified. Mm-hmm. Like, the like, I mean, one of the other things that came to mind, like, the following day after this announcement was, um, Grace Autosport, which, if you don't remember, back in 2015, they announced Grace Autosport was going to be this all-female yep. team. Oh my goodness. Driver. Yes, I remember that. I was so excited. Yeah. It's like when they put it, it sounded all right. It sounded like they had everything together. And then they never got the chassis. Because all they had it. was mm-hmm. one person. They had Beth Peretta, who was the head of Dodge's motorsport program. Beth had a lot of free time because Fiat shut down. <laughs> Dodges Motorsport program. Uh. And <coughs> C4, let me just pass the time and let me just craft an all female indie car. It was team. like it was all female everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Top to bottom. I mean, and it was that kind of a it just they never got the chassis and that was it. Like the Twitter account's still active, but and they they they, they never they, it's act- still active, and they claim to have drivers who clearly aren't their drivers. Like they claim that that Isla Agren is one of their drivers. <laughs> yeah, that's not how this works. Yeah, yeah when they <laughs> announced their Indy Five Hundred intentions, they had uh, they had said we want Catherine Legg. Catherine Legg, a race winner in the Atlantic Championship, which produced Danica Patrick. One more races than Danica Patrick, mm-hmm. infinitely yep. more. Mm-hmm. They wanted her, but they the didn't get her. Cat- no, but Catherine Legg was in the original. Yeah, Catherine Legg was their original driver. Mm-hmm. That they had a deal with Catherine mm-hmm. Legg. After that, any driver that they claim to have is not their driver. Uh-huh. But it was like, in case that was it. It never got that, and that was it. It vanished. And all I ever thought was like, 
why did you just go like say okay we were maybe because we were showing up with like ab- absolutely nothing we couldn't get the carnola what was to stop them of maybe going into like indie lights or like further down because the there's no money there's no cartoon. money i know i know i know that's but it was like that was kind of like that was my first thought like that was all i ever thought was like because they, they were because like when you read their statement they're saying oh, we have the sponsorship we have like all this and it's like, like if they were truly truly serious about getting a full-time indycar team they would do what george steinbrenner the fourth is doing enter a partnership with a current team start out in indie lights you know do the smart thought out well-executed plans <laughs> It's just we're gonna have a, an, an all an all female team, and the money will magically come up somewhere, you know. And I don't. Know. I, I just wasn't it just for like yeah, the five hundred. Yeah, it was just yeah. uh, yeah. to be the five hundred. And like I, I think they might I have mean, just misunderstood the like how easy because there are teams that just enter for that. Like you got fucking Buddy Lazier who comes and races all the time, yes. but like there, there's there's a lot know. of moving parts uh, to a five hundred only entry. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they realized exactly and how many there And the fact that they be. wanted to do it without any male employees, that was going to make things miles more difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's not to say, like, I mean, although it's not, like, to the degree that it seems to be a NASCAR, I mean, like, the, the head of, like, the Firestone, like, the chief engineer for Firestone in IndyCar is a woman, Cara Adams. Like there's like an into um there's a clip I'll maybe try and find it again later but and it she's literally getting interviewed about the tires the wet tire um how they've changed it the plans for the tires for next season and everything and it's just like a straight up interview like that's not a single question about like oh you're a woman how does it feel to be a woman it's like Right, you designed this tire. What's yeah. the purpose of it? How have you changed because, it from the previous tire? Uh, I, I don't want to say it's an American thing, but, like, in, like, <laughs> m- most mixed gender fields, like, pretty much if you're a woman in, a, like, a professional industry, like, tire manufacturing <laughs> or aerospace, it, like, no one's really going to mention your gender. It's not really groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh, something that can be approved upon, but it's not mm-hmm. groundbreaking when there's one woman. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's like, because they did, um, there was, like, an article on her during the Indy 500, and, like, she said, like, yeah, when I first went to talk to drivers, it was like, they gave me the PR responses, and then I realized I need to say, no, how was the tire at the apex of the turn? And then they realized, no, I'm here as an engineer. And that was it. And she said, I just need to say to the guys, these things made, like, don't call me this because this makes me uncomfortable. And they stopped. Like, she has this respect. It's like, they know she's worked, she's not just, like, she has worked her way up. She, she has, like, put in the time, the effort, the money, you know, like, the study and everything. I mean, it's, I think it's more it's like, like it's just like any other field. It's a, it's a job. She's there to do mm-hmm. a job. Uh huh. But it's you still like maybe it is because like generally even though if 
like yeah, it's just because when you look at pretty much F one again, because it's obviously everything goes back to F one. Of course, of course. <laughs> but you think of like the woman in F one, like on the on the pit wall and everything. It's they're the only one really is Claire Williams. Pretty much all all the other main female figures are in the PR. I mean, Charlie Kimball's I mean, they're, sister. They're, they're like numerous. She's, she's in that, here. Yeah, they're oh. like numerous engineers who just ha- just not happen to be on the on the on the race team, uh-huh. the team that goes to each and every race. Like if you look, uh-huh. if you watch like any of Mercedes videos from their factory, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see them, but it's like they're they're kind of out of sight almost at the same time. Like unless you're like watching all the videos and follow or following your team and all this you don't see all that you just see what's yeah. shown on the tv which unfortunately then ends up sometimes becoming the the good girls <laughs> and pardon the pun <laughs> yes but it's like like they are they are around and it's just it's like, don't need to force them into the light, but it's like, at times it, they, it needs to be, like, acknowledged that they're there. Sort of thing. There needs to be a lot done with regards to visibility of women, just generally. Like, first of all, we don't need to show grid girls. We don't need them to be there. Like, we don't need to show the pretty girls in the crowd and stuff. Like, these things can go away, too. And yes. it's also good to help, like... It was nice when Carmen Jorda got signed to Lotus, or yep. I think it was Lotus, and they put her picture yep. up on the screen, and it had, like, that she was a driver underneath, which was a nice way of visibility, and I was like, at least there was this, like, maybe if some girl out there is watching and is like, oh, there's a lady out there who's doing something, maybe she's not driving the car, but I don't know, it, it could definitely be a lot better. Um, there could be a bigger effort made just to at least highlight yeah. them. Yeah, and while we're going there, maybe stop taking so many creepy photos of them without their without their yeah. consent first as well. That 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 that, that would be like, great. Like surpri- surprisingly <laughs> enough, like pretty much besides the lead engineer, the team's executive, and the drivers, you hear nothing about like the crew or anything until you get to creepy photos mm. of female crew members. Yeah, which uh, is I a mean, whole other can of worms. Uh, who, who was the, the Mercedes? Actually, there was who was the Mercedes one who she was on the podium and then she got spray oh, with the champagne. Abby and, yeah, I don't remember her uh, name. I just know she the, goes to. Well, she went to the Ohio State University. <laughs> oh, he's that guy. He puts the the in there first. You college football frat hey, boy. Hey, that's respect <laughs> out of anyone who goes to Ohio State because they would want me to say it that way. This is this is not a Graham Ray Hall episode of Motorsport 101. We've talked about this. Thanks, thanks for the disclaimer, Roger. I much oh, appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Graham Ray Hall, the, the trophy husband to Courtney Force. Hey! <laughs> I want to bring up another point. Like, women are killing it in drag racing y'all mm-hmm. yeah not, not just yeah. now but historically mm-hmm. yeah very good point and i feel like part of that comes it's still the there's still an accessibility within 
uh, drag racing that you don't get in a whole lot of other Because all you need is a car to compete. That's and it. You don't... <laughs> exactly. Ex- but, like, I don't know. That's kind of why women could compete yeah. initially and, like, why there were so many women and so many, like, people of color and just, like, minorities who got to go out there yeah. and, like, do stuff. And I... Yeah. It's so nice to see it still happening somewhere. Yeah, because that, that was the same thing before, like, I said, like, we started with before the First World War. Like, all you need to do was, like, compete in international motorsport mm-hmm. was own a car. Like, the barrier to entry was so low. Yeah. <laughs> we've come you got to have circle. a car, and it has yep. to make it to the track, and you're yeah. done. And you we've, know what we've... also helps? Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. also really helps is when you have... Is when you have a father who's respected as one as the greatest person to ever do their job, and he is so fiercely determined to make sure that his daughters yeah. all succeed in the sport. And by yeah, he's awesome at both it. his jobs: mm-hmm. being a drag racer and being a dad. <laughs> and I've just good dad. The critiques that they get of that is like, well, there's the only reason there's women in there is because well, <laughs> their dad. There are other like, women, like there are other I mean, women than the Force Girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, like, those get the most critique, and I just, like, but I don't know. You can look at Formula One and point out plenty of drivers who, like, would be there. Yeah. If not I for mean, nepotism, if not for uh, nepotism. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, if you take out, like, next-generation drive, like drivers who had doors open because next-generation and that, well, there goes Carlos Sainz, Nico Rosberg, mm-hmm. Damon Hill, Michael Andretti. Max Verstappen. Um, Max, uh, Max, um, cause I'm trying. To... Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Magnuson. And, and uh, yeah, and Magnuson. It's like you, you, Paul Deresta even. You could argue Paul Deresta because of Dario and Marino Franchitti, yeah. their cousin. It goes Ralph on. Ralph even, even Ralph Schumacher, like, like he had doors open to him because his brother was already such a success, and people were going, "Oh, let's grab the other brother." That's the game we play, you know. The generational game is always a factor, but uh, I mean, in in the yeah, you know, of course we we've we talked about it on the show numerous times about you know some of the image problems that motorsports had. Hell, it was it was it was earlier this year even we we like I remember you will remember this one very well, King. Like literally minutes after we stopped recording an episode, tw- internet Twitter exploded with a bunch of dickhead men. That were trying to cape for the shield of a motorsport.com gallery of, you know, oh, God. unsolicited pictures of grid girls, etc. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you guys didn't give a shit about this until one person who just happened to be a woman, our good friend Sarah Connors, mm-hmm. was the one who noticed it and brought it to people's attention. And yeah, like, that was shitty and I exploded that day. And it, uh-huh. it, was, it was not pretty, to say the uh-huh. least. But, Know what? Know what motorsport.com really should have done. They should have left it up where the only picture being left was that misplaced chicken ass picture. <laughs> just, just to troll people. It's like, yes. it's like you're expecting something else. Uh, <laughs> just a picture of AJ Foyt in like a short sleeve button shirt. Like, oh yeah, that's oh, that's stuff. There's, there's a there's a picture somewhere online. And it's Mario Andretti in proper seventies fashion, where he's got the the shirt like the shirt open, like unbuttoned to like halfway down his his stomach, the medallion register, and he's hanging off this door, and the photo stops sort of 
it towards the start of his trousers, but honestly, you look at it and you say, I wouldn't be surprised if he's wearing hot pants in this picture. It's like, <laughs> keep that keep that on the darkest, deepest part of the internet, aka okay, right, so, right Zoe's hard Flavio, drive. Right next Ooh. to Flavio Priatori's swimsuit outfit photo, oh. and, uh, <laughs> and, and that Christian Horner photo from his oh. of <laughs> No, no, I can't be unseen. Oh, oh God. God. On on that note, uh, while, you know, we've talked many a time on this show about some of the issues regarding, you know, the image problems that Modus will have, especially when it comes to women, what can we do to ultimately improve female participation? Because this is, you know, you know it, it's one thing to talk about these issues it's another thing to see if we can find that potential solutions as many sports people on the internet will tell you you know it's like oh well you know how do we solve this problem yeah. then genius well let, let, let's let's yeah, try and figure like, that out shall I, we i have yeah. open the uh, official presentation from the fia i don't know how i got a hand of it because there's like a lot of personal information on this that i'm so like, so like i can't share this because <laughs> I don't want people to have uh, Michelle Mouton's, like, personal email, so that does not need to be a thing that goes out in the public. Or, like, Bernie Ecclestone's wife's email. This, this is like... Yeah, my own. Whoa! No, no, no. Like, why, would, why would Bernie Ecclestone's wife be, be relevant in a commission of women? Because in she court? is Brazil's representative. <laughs> like, I believe... Like, at this... You... You couldn't even give it to. Anna you have to. You have to Beatrice? be a retired. Like if you're, you can't be an active driver. You can't be an active driver. That is one note that they make a point of. So like, uh, Venezuela's <laughs> representative is a retired driver. It's 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 milk and doing Oh. Oh. She is is like. On one hand, she she has got like, was it? Yeah, she's extremely intelligent. Like, she's extremely biology. intelligent. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. But Milk then again, it... this, the same like, she, like the one like as soon as you say her name, all I can picture is that argument she had. Well, I say argument. Danica, she Danica felt she held her up during practice. So I remember went this. Over to her bit section and went to start given her lip, to which Milka just fl- like slapped her towel down, ranted, walked away, and Danica's like, I'm just trying to say you were blocking me, and, she, and it's like, oh god, like, and all I can think is, there's going to be those idiots, and sure enough, on the old IndyCar forum, may it rest in peace, there was, there was several comments that it was that kind of a yeah, can we get them to fight again? But this time in a, a pool. Oh my god! Though so, rolling down of this course. list, RJ, uh, you you are you're familiar with Japan's national representative? <laughs> yes, that's Keiko Ohara, who runs the Mazda Women in Motorsport Initiative. First woman from Asia to run the 24 Hours of Ma. Actually, began her career as a grid girl and went to Europe because there were no opportunities in Japan, which is as much a culturally conservative country as the United States is. Yeah. Maybe even yep. more so. Uh, yeah. Italy's representative, interestingly enough, is Fabrizia Pons, uh, Michelle Mouton's co-driver from her rallying days. 
Uh, and hey. rolling down the list of, like, the entire list of representatives. Like, all the representatives that could be elected to the commission. Like, there are only two men on this list of national representatives. Which, uh, funnily enough, uh, Macau has a male representative. And uh, Uruguay has a male <laughs> representative. Okay, so, and... Yeah, before, I'm just gonna... I kind of went on a tangent, but I'm just going to list what what this commission says that they're currently doing. Like, they're active projects. So, in Go terms on. of motorsport, they say that they're that, that one spot in the in the Karting Academy trophy, and they also have the Volkswagen Sirocco Cup listed. They also list that they uh, sponsor drivers in Rallycross, I, I think in the European Rallycross Championship. Uh, they do say they they have educational projects that they that they're involved with F one in schools and formula student which like I'm scratching but like like here in the states formula student is formula SAE and it was like I've never seen like their involvement ever when I, my time being involved in formula SAE. Uh, mm. Hmm. Uh, So, so, so basically what I'm getting at, in a dream situation, if you somehow became president of the motors of the Women in Motorsport Commission, what would you do? <laughs> Throw an enormous I party. Throw an enormous party. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the biggest issue is the fact that it is beca- like an FIA program, mm-hmm. which sounds counterintuitive but they're also less likely to get the radical things done like it's the FIA so they're only going to take Oh no the no steps. like pretty much like mm-hmm. the FIA could pretty much do whatever they want the reason they take baby steps is because mm-hmm. of the people in charge <laughs> Yeah and like that's what I'm saying like it would have to be a giant But but again you would be but, in charge Yeah Mm well, I have I have thoughts. About but how, it. how do you? <laughs> yeah, forced feelings. Um, but it's like it's the things though is that if you were in charge, would you like you'd have to be thinking in the back of your head, you don't want to rock the boat too hard, and that's an unfortunate and probably yeah. like restrictive way of thinking. Unfortunately, I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. the the main thing would be to look at the grassroots level, like start there, mm-hmm. like look at what you can do to help the girls that are wanting to progress progress like even if it's just going from car into single seaters like what you can do to support them whether it's a case of like they can't quite make the connections they need to even just talk to the teams they need to talk to or the sponsors like give them the help they need even if it's just going to the parents and saying right here's like these are the ones you need to speak to or this is where you need to send your kid like, I think there needs to be a very structured effort. Like, uh-huh. I don't think that's going to be enough. And I feel like there needs to be... Uh-huh. Like, I like the, the um, Talent Cup idea of doing something similar with women, but also finding a way to support them through their entire careers. Because I feel like when you dump them into, like, a Formula 3 category, and then they're just well, going to be on well, their own. Well, like, funnily enough, dead, the prize for winning the Talent Cup, because I know for the Asian Talent Cup, if you finish in the top five, mm-hmm. you get to be on the talent team in what is 
I think the best comparison to the FIA ladder would be Formula 4. So you get to be on the team for at mm-hmm. least one year. You, they could retain you for an extra mm-hmm. year, I believe, but I'm not entirely sure about uh, what retention means. But they'll if they can't find you a spot to remain on the team, they'll help you find a place either in the same championship or move up to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think, I don't know, having something for women that would be a similar program to what Red Bull use, does with their juniors. Oh. Of just, like, no, giving no, them... Wait. Like, not, not exactly what they do. Ooh, easy to... No. <laughs> we all know it's terrible, but to have somebody who gives you that level of but, support. Like, uh-huh. somebody in, came... Someone talked to me the other day about how Scott Speed was actually a good example for some things and a bad example for others. I how think... he got the support... Like, the grassroots American support to become the American F1 driver, yeah. but when they dumped him kind of after he got in yeah, there, that was the that's issue. That's the issue mm-hmm. with, I think, the the Women in Motorsport Commission are realizing is the issue now. With, mm-hmm. where, with Marta Garcia, what where does she go now? Because it is yeah. highly competitive. It's not meant to... It's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Renault's program, despite Renault being partially owned by the French government. They don't care. They don't want French. They want the best drivers. And if you're not mm-hmm. meeting their standards, they're, they're going to drop you without question. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's as also we, as we just, found like, that, yeah, where are you supposed it, to go in Formula One? Like, well, where are you supposed to go in Formula One, like, when you get there? And that's another issue of, like, there's just never, there's not seats open for the yeah. talented drivers now. So how are but you But again, to, we're, we're, in the, we're in the same situation like, where the problem even includes Formula 2. It's not just a Formula 1 problem. Yeah. Yeah, and even, I don't know, any lower category, you, ugh, it's it's frustrating. It's difficult to just yeah. see how difficult it is. It's like every young prospect needs like a $5 million line of credit to have any chance of is, making Formula 1 whatsoever. The and people that, who have enough to, you know, who are just scraping along have enough to try once. But the moment they need a second chance, they don't get a second chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, and that applies to both sides of the ladder. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like that's part of the reason why there's so many that have like ended up going from like yeah, Europe to because America. Because America's a lot more forgiving. Because, mm-hmm. and also that money that might have just got yeah a sort of lower lower half team. And Europe might get you what the top teams in the road and all that is. And also the road Zendi having that, okay, you've won the championship. Here's money to get you into the next stage. Oh, you've won again. Here you go. Oh, you've made it to IndyCar. Right. Here's money to do the Indy 500 and maybe a couple of other races. Like, there is that bit of support. So whether... Because mm-hmm. even right now, you look at there was people sitting there going like honestly thinking that Charles Leclerc might not actually get a ride in F1 there was mm-hmm. people thinking that might happen mm-hmm. well I was one of those people not because of his talent but because of the, the lack of potential opportunity yeah. at the highest level mm-hmm. and it, it's unfortunately the, the nature of F1 chewing up drivers and often spinning them out before they even turn 25 is it's made me cynical regarding what how guys who can and can, can and can't get in, and I mean again we talk. I mean yeah, like every everybody's get excited. Reason to be excited about Charles Leclerc, for example, 
but he's joining <laughs> Sauber. Like, yeah. like. And we saw ugh. what happened when, like, the last shining star, Pascal Verlain, went to Sauber. Like, like so can you? So, yes, exactly. So can you blame me for thinking the worst that could happen to Charles, yeah. where he could be out of F one, maybe at twenty one, twenty two, and like he's got nowhere to go after that? What happens if it doesn't necessarily work out? Like, exactly. what's the safety net that here? My and, safety like, net is. Uh, I'm taking it from, like, old-school baseball. Branch Rickey, he's more famous for his time at the Brooklyn Dodgers, but before he ended up, you know, Jackie Robinson, Brooklyn Dodgers, he he was in charge of the St. Louis Cardinals. And he developed what was pretty much what baseball is today, what the farm system minor league baseball is today, because he felt that there was quality in quantity. Pretty much his, his you know... His idea to get the best baseball team was to sign as many players as possible and the cream will rise to the crop. I mean, like, the cream will rise to the top and I think that should be the direction that women's motorsports should head into. Just get as many women yeah. involved it's as almost, possible. It, yeah, it's... Right, it's almost like saying, you know, invest in as many young women as you can from the bottom up and just, you know... You know, instead of just hitching it to one one prospect in particular, that's that's really great. That's what yeah. we should have been doing a but while no one ago. Wants, like it's mm-hmm. it's a whole lot cheaper to just s- s- sponsor one woman <laughs> and potentially sunder them in at the highest level and then piss fans off. Because like, well, how the hell is she getting it? In? Who was it that like married Nikki Loder and then Nikki Loder basically told them, "Yeah, you're not racing anymore." Uh, I'm not sure. Or is it Flavio? It was one of them. They married a race, a female racer, and basically turned or was dating, and basically said, "Yeah, if you're wanting to be with me, you're going to have to give up racing." It I think it was, wasn't it Desiree Wilson. Like yeah. I, I feel like that's the time period is not it, necessarily aligned, but it was something like that. It just that went into my mind there, like. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yeah, it's it's the yeah, not a good sign. Because uh, that's what red. That's initially what Formula Renault was before it exploded. Like when France got their first initial, uh, like first initial drivers in the early seventies. You know, Francois Sever. Like they they decided we can't. Like if something were to happen to Francois, we need a back. Well, something did eventually happen, so it actually turned out for the yeah. better that they found it for. <laughs> yeah. So basically, Formula Renault started out as essentially a, a French national feeder series. Like, uh, their former champ, like, the first, like, of the first four seasons they had, two of the champions were Jacques Lafitte and Alain Prost. And that was just their mm-hmm. effort to just make sure that France had a talent pool when their current crop of drivers disappeared. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it worked out for the best. There were a couple years where the significant portion of the grid was entirely just French drivers. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And like the yeah. the British, the explosion of British drivers in the sixties wasn't a coincidence because Britain was the only country that cared about Formula Three when it first started. <laughs> Italy had a similar concept. They just decided that, you know, Marlboro can just throw all their money out of every potential prospect yep. they can find. Which, again, ended up like Marbo. Marlboro was the Red Bull Academy before Red Bull existed. 
We've mixed yes, success. We've mixed success. <laughs> uh, I think like the like the Formula Renault model of we're having our own championship, like really proves that 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 idea can work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And again, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Look how many great guys like came from Formula Renault. That original life. national like, championship stayed like stayed in place. Like it was only. It was largely, entirely only French champions until 2008, where they had their first, like, where they had their first back-to-back season with non-French champions, where they had Danny Ricardo won the championship. The year before, Jules Bianchi won the championship. So to go from, you know, Jacques Lafitte mm-hmm. and Alain Prost to Jules Bianchi, so it was like, it worked! It worked a hell of a ton! Like, when Jules entered Formula 1, he was like, what the fourth French driver in that period of time when they just had like a little explosion of talent? It wasn't as big as the early seventies, but they had uh, uh, well, it was him. It was uh, Romain Grosjean, who was arguably French. He only became French so he could enter that championship. <laughs> oh, he just says, "I'm going to become French." Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, Charles <laughs> Peak. Uh, oh my God, where is Charles Peak now? <laughs> He showed up for the uh, the fashion show at Singapore. <laughs> well, he is French. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like France, like France in the fifties and sixties, it was dark. They didn't have a lot of Formula One drivers. They come up with this idea to have their own feeder championship for French drivers, and they ha- pretty much haven't looked back since. They've had a constant presence on the Formula One grid. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you, and you've and you've always said, King, you think something like that on, on the on the feeder grassroots level for women could yeah. work, because oh, you you just it's a numbers game. You, it, if pretty much they if if like a quarter to like forty percent of all the the young drivers out there are women, one of them is gonna break through eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my common sense. Should we get into the mail backing? Oh god. Okay, I, I said bonus points for any women in motorsport questions. I kind of regret that statement now, but hey, here we go. Um, top of the pile. Question from Miles, one of our Patreon backers. May the good Lord help us all. Uh, it, it's never a good sign when your question starts with, I'm going to be controversial. <laughs> I, I'll continue from there. It says, quote, Why do people put an onus on F1 to have men and women compete in the same division when no other sport does? Not football, rugby, golf, cricket or tennis, for example. As such, I don't see why having a female formula is such a bad approach. But Formula One's not other Formula sports. One's different. I mean... Yep. Motorsport I, is inherently different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you put, like, Using the like the rugby, you put the like the fullback of a fe- a female team against the fullback of like a man's team. 
There's no oh, yeah. difference. There, just, there's just a, a reason. There's a reason, like this, like Sarah's force are kept separate because it's like I mean I really don't want to bring this up, but obviously the infamous one being like obviously there's been the, the sort of battle of the sex. Can't wait for the Venice. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, coming up very soon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had the last time it happened, it was like in a serious event. It was the William sisters when they were just sort of working their way up and they and they find this now but they they said they could beat any guy sort of like within a certain position and this guy said okay and apparently spent the morning golfing and drinking and that and proceeded to beat them both even though he was like sort of at the, the sort of the like at the edge of this bat number that they pulled out and hadn't done any of his, his like fitness and had been in the seat like on the tour for a while, and they were like sort of late teens. No, no, no. They, they were 20s. sixteen. They were sixteen. Okay. Like okay. there was a Same. like there was massive physical difference. Like there was no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Meanwhile, as soon as you stick, like, because obviously you stick it in a car. The fact that, like, it mechanically, uh, you have, it's a mechanical thing, so you've already got things that a guy might have an advantage of in brute strength, kind of doesn't play yeah, as much Yeah, because motorsport, as, it's not physical like others, it's, it's more endurance-based. It's like... I mean, it's like, you're, you're seeing, like, um, to use another example, um, yeah. horse racing. You're seeing mm-hmm. more and more female jockeys. Absolutely. And the, that if the goal is, is to be small, like oh, ladies have a good yeah. advantage. They're, 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 they tend to mm-hmm. be smaller. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you think the way motor race is going, I mean, you've got, like, currently in Formula, Formula E, you've got um, Alex Lynn, whose teammate is Sam Bird. And there's mm-hmm. an ever so slight height difference. And... He, 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 Alex confessed to only like three kilograms or something like that during the off season to try and be able to be a lighter weight so he could get more ballast. Mm-hmm. That, he still that's got... that's basically like seven pounds or half a stone. Mm-hmm. <sighs> right, that's a so, lot of weight. I mean, you you actually had like. Um, at one point, so the IndyCar drivers were grumbling about Danica because she was so much lighter compared to the rest of them. Mm-hmm. All because, you have to be is yeah. physically fit, uh-huh. and like, you just have to be like able to endure driving a car. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it sounds like it's not a lot, but it is a lot. But it's, you know, not impossible. I mean, you also then get the technical advantages because I, of it. it's like. I would compare the physicality of, like, racing in Formula 1 to the most obvious comparison. Like, the one-to-one comparison would be being a triathlete, which, you know, we've had a for- we've had a Formula 1 driver who was also a triathlete, Jensen Button. And, like, the mm-hmm. world record time for to complete an Ironman, the men's time, is 8 hours and 1 minute. The women's time is 8 hours, 46 minutes. Like, it... it it's close. Yeah, it's it's close. genuinely close. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And I, I, I want to ask an even more obvious question here. It's like motorsport is one of the very few sports in general where men and women can compete on yeah. the level playing field. Why would you want yeah. to change that? Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Yeah. Um, in theory, in theory, everyone can compete in the level playing field, but because of the way society is structured in general, you know, you don't see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good question from our very good friend, Miss Sarah Connors, who asks, if you had the power to, to appoint a non-Jordan entity into this Women in Motorsport committee and you could only pick one person, who would it be? Sarah Fisher. Done. Mm-hmm. Double down on that. Wouldn't even like I didn't even have to hesitate to yeah, that. Probably Sarah Fisher. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, it's unanimous, yo. It's, like, it's unanimous. Fisher, it would be Lindsay James. Like it would be a former. It would be a former IndyCar yep. driver. Yeah. Um, uh, Andy at at TigerCar asks, why appoint Carmen for that role on the Women in Motorsport Commission? What does the FIA gain from this? Is this the start of them trying to launch a female-only series? Them trying to start a female series? No, they would never do that. Like, I'm 100% certain they would never do that. Like, the reason the FIA didn't appoint her, I don't know, like, she either got appointed through two means. Like, one, she got nominated by her national automobile club, Spain, like the Spanish Automobile Club, and the the pretty much all the other people, all the national female representatives said, yeah, we'd like to have Carmen Jordan. Like, either that happened... Somehow I suspect the latter is unlikely. Yeah. (laughs) Second thing, she is one of the two driver's representatives, where while everyone, like, the vast majority of the commission are representing their national automobile clubs, there are a number of positions set aside for people of special importance so they make sure that they have a female engineer they make sure that they have a female female fia official they make sure that they have a female representative from fim the the international motorcycling federation they also make sure that they have at least they make sure they have a female automobile executive two representatives from uh a female like the female have a racing team so like obviously it's all it's pretty much gonna be until like time immemorable. Like it's gonna be Claire Williams in that position, and <laughs> two active female drivers. Mm-hmm. I don't think she qualifies because she she's no longer active. She hasn't she like she isn't set to race in a series next year. So like I highly doubt that they would make her a driver's representative. I. Like I strongly suspect the Sarah Connors theory she had earlier on Twitter today with wait, wait, what, the, is what the FIA gained from this. It's like it, it was that she's basically been hired as a stooge because she doesn't rock the boat with the FIA. Like too again, hard, again, because you can't do that because it doesn't work that you are, you are elected to that position. She would have to pay too many people. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, is the modeling game strong that strong in Spain? I don't like, know. Is it? Like, it, I don't it, think it, it is, but the, it's. It seemingly cycles between representatives, but, like, for the most part, like, some people are always there. Like, uh, again, uh, it seems like people either retire or don't have the time to do it and give up their place in the commission. Like, Fabrizio Pons, you know, uh, Michelle Mouton's 
former co-driver, she gave up her spot as Italy's representative to Michaela Cerruti when Michaela retired from racing. And now she spends time tweeting yes. you on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> King, you're getting in one too many I Twitter fights these days. Is that right? I have been too many. Yeah. yeah. Of course, King. Like Louis, 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 yeah, like Louis Razzi has started on you. <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> but again, like, she was elected <laughs> by her peers. Like, there was no doubt about it. She was elected <laughs> by her peers. They felt like they wanted to hear her opinion and have her as a part of the conversation. It's she like, is just a very visible yes, figure because right she, now. Because she was the only... And she is, unfortunately, the most visible figure in Formula she 1. She was the... Like, I, I checked every... <laughs> she was the only person that actually tweeted that they got elected. Michaela Cerruti, she, she was like... She only mentioned it as, like, a reply. <laughs> <laughs> to you! <laughs> yeah, so yeah, guess like it's king. It's almost like we as a motorsport collective once again have pointed our frustration in the wrong areas. Because that never happens, does it? There's an easy target, and where there's easy, people don't want to, people don't want to like look up what's actually causing these issues. You don't want to do research. You want to do research? No. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like rather than beating the uh, Carmen Yorda Pinata, it's like, hey, maybe we should have a look at the people that elected her. Just the force. Like, um, question from Len. Yeah, like, Carmen Yorda okay. is the, the easy punching bag if you're angry about this problem. Mm-hmm. Bigger picture shit. It's easier to be mad at her than to be mad at an entire it, it's, organization. It's, it's hard to be mad at systemic issues, which, like, technically might not even be that organization's fault. Or it might actually be caused by people mm-hmm. you deep down like because of their because you feel yep. nostalgic about their performances. Mm-hmm. It's an issue, to say the least. Len asks, is the accomplishments of current women drivers or riders appreciated enough? There's the example of Christina Nielsen winning an IMSA, but gets little attention in the mainstream media. Uh, it gets... This is a difficult like, question. <laughs> I, I would say because how many women have given been given the opportunities to find no, success? I, I would say the so, reason why Christina Nielsen hasn't been given like this, you know, big, you know, basically hasn't been given attention. Like, if if anyone else won, like if how many people would have cared that much if some other driver had won that championship? Mm-hmm. Some other driver yes. did win that championship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They won, they won the two exactly. titles together. Who? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's true. It's like, it's it like, yeah, Christina Nielsen's winning an IMSA. The problem is, there's just like on a on a mainstream media level, IMSA's quite far down the list of what people actually watch, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And like, I'll like, say all this: eyes I mean, are on the feeder categories for F1. They're not looking mm-hmm. at IMSA, uh-huh. like. An accomplishment right. in IMSA is going to go under the radar very quickly. Even like in Formula 2, you're pretty off the radar. You have to be a dominant driver to get any mainstream attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, um, uh, but uh, yeah, very I mean, much very much the case. I mean, really, the only... What? Like, Danica's one managed to get make a blip over here. 
not much of a blip, but it was definitely a, a oh look, but then yeah, like, that that's why know, again it kind of vanished again. That's why Formula One is the goalpost and will forever be the goalpost. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, because that that is a juggernaut, and that is a well-oiled machine that's gonna have to lose a lot of cogs before people start looking elsewhere. Um, it, it's a hard question to answer because it, it's also a matter of perception. You're like, if IMS is the only sport, the only most sport you're watching, of course you're gonna think it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, in the grand scheme of things, it just isn't. Um, I mean, if it's if it you know if it makes you feel a little bit better deep down, knowing that hey, as a biking fan. When Anna Carrasco won that race at Portimao earlier this year, like everyone in bikes were applauding Anna Carrasco, and that was genuinely lovely to see that people like Mark Marquez were acknowledging her victory, and that was awesome because, again, grand scheme of things, Super Sport 300 is not a big deal. It's probably like sixth or seventh on the list of potential like prominent biking series, but hey, there was a much more of a universal. Yeah, we realise just what a big, what a big, important, historic deal this is. Diana Carrasco won this race, so there is hope. Um, mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, this is the exception rather than the norm, and you know, it is what it is. And it's not just as ma- a simple matter. Yeah, Christina did great. Like, why are we not all applauding her? It's the series she races in more than anything else. Unfortunately. Um, t- Brian asks, "Do you think we will see a woman in F one anytime soon?" Easy one, I think, on from, from the panel on this one. Not Probably not. Rate. Not at the going rate. It says a lot when maybe the most intriguing Formula One prospect is 12 years old and can't drive an official race for more than yeah. four years. <laughs> and it's not even a guarantee that she'll actually be able to succeed when she actually is able to, to step up to big, to, to like actual sanctioned races and not track days in a yeah. Formula and Four like, car. Mm-hmm. Michelle Mouton's like pick driver, like. She thinks that this is the best chance, and even for her, it's a maybe that she'll get the Formula One. Is sixteen years old? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm putting my faith in Sophia Franchetti. <laughs> That's <laughs> she's only it, two, which means Daru has enough time to build an entire yeah. team around her. It's, it, 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 <laughs> he has it, the time and the money. Yeah. And let's <laughs> let's just say I'm. His parents remortgaged the house as, for, her, for his career. She gets I'm, I'm not for her. as confident as 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 Jack Kennedy. I'm not gonna go out and say we're gonna get we're gonna get a woman in Formula One by the end of the decade. No, I'm not that confident. <laughs> Didn't Christian Horner make that same statement a few years ago? I'm pretty sure he did. Unfortunately. Oh my god, he owns he but, owns uh, junior teams. What is he doing? He it's not like he yeah. makes that claim and he he owns Arden. Like, he owns teams all the way up and down the ladder. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know what he's doing, King? He's being Christian Horner. He's, he's, appeasing, right. his, he's, he's appeasing his wife. <laughs> I'm going to go there. Um, <laughs> second, appeasing his wife could be taken for a lot of different means. Um, second off of that question from Ryan was, and do you think we may see another woman win in IndyCar or finally have success in an NASCAR? So basically... The American side of the spectrum. Are the prospects any brighter on that side of the fence? I genuinely well, think that they are. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it'll be super soon, but I do think that, like, because there is female talent in the ladders that have promise of coming up, that it's much more likely, at least with an IndyCar. I don't know as much about NASCAR in order to have any formative opinion about that. But Yeah, like, I'm... I'm 
I'm more confident in Formula One, but I'm not extremely confident. I'd probably say five, six years we'd see another full-time female driver. Mm -hmm. Yeah, five or six. Mm. Yeah, well, and that's and that's still too far away for my liking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe I mean, so. We we have successful female engineers like um, uh, Blaney's Ryan Blaney's engineers female. Mm -hmm. Which immediately made Lizzie like have Ryan Blaney as a favorite NASCAR driver. Sorry? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. I was reading the Penske engine. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know we're focusing on more on the driver side of it, but like there is the the success starting to come through. There they are starting to come through in the. the but other I side think as like well. the reason Absolutely. why there's focus on the drivers is the same spotlight reason. Like you have to be a diehard mm -hmm. yeah. like fan to care about the engineers. Like to the average person just mm -hmm. looking in, they don't even know who Adrian Newey is. Like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. I know. Still. Got to start somewhere. Got to start mm -hmm. somewhere. Um, a couple more questions here. I have Evan uh, at Button MK who asks, "Build your all-female dream team." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like that was like a, like a happy sign. It's like ah, Simona. Yeah, yeah she's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Got she she raced. She qualified. She outqualified Andretti Autosport after getting third and fourth degrees burns to her hands. She had to stand there, and yeah. like as someone put her gloves on her, she physically put put the gloves on her hands, and then went out on Indianapolis and outqualified like Andretti Autosport. That, that's one badass woman right there. <laughs> There's a reason she is the Iron Maiden. <laughs> I would I would also consider putting Pippa Man up at this list. You know, she's stuck it out there for such a long time in this mm -hmm. in this game, and she works so damn hard. Yeah, like absolutely. The and way she, she does, raises she does, exposure, she, is and she's gorgeous. not and she's not only just an Indianapolis 500 driver. She'll dabble in. Do, 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 do well we need do we need ready. not mention that she's a member of Titus Worldwide? <laughs> oh. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. I get that in. <laughs> I, I I but, but she's also she started trying help like female drivers trying to go up the ladder as well. She yeah, she she has her own scholarship at the Skip Barber School, which is fantastic. Which I mean, mm -hmm. eh, it's a bit but iffy, but good. You gotta get a weekend to learn at the Skip Barber <laughs> School. I mean, like I said, the thing with Pippa that's great about it is not the fact that she's she's a great driver, but also the fact she she does a, a like so much work outside of that to help mm -hmm. promote getting women into the sport, which is half the battle. Is it's not so much yeah you know them being thrust into the spotlight as King mentions before, but she is doing that grassroots shit that you know you know is what we think you know that area needs more than anything else. So. Like she plays a very important role in that, um, especially in the United States, obviously. So that's massive. <laughs> I think we all I think we all mentioned Sarah yeah. Fisher in there earlier as well mm -hmm. to basically yes. run yeah, this. I think. Yes. Yeah. I, well, it's like she, like she she started that team as a driver, 
then put Ed in the car. Ed then decided to start his own team. Then she stuck Graham in the car. Graham decided to run off for a sponsor. Mm-hmm. And then she actually had people trying to get her to take like Pepper or Catherine, and she went, "No, I'm taking the Indy Lights champion." Right. A guy, a guy who is now the Indy Car champion. Mm-hmm. Some, some some guy called Joseph Newgarden. What yes. happened to him? <laughs> Apparently, he turned out okay. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, yeah, and quick, yeah, go Elizabeth on, can comment on her karting yes. track. <laughs> Oh, it's great. It is great. It's two stories. You got an oval. Like, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. A uh, couple more in here. Just scrolling up and down my list, making sure. Yeah, I want to get Matt's in here as well. Yeah, Matt at the Lindo 98. Matt asks Idea, not so much a question. Instead of an all women championship, how about a proper race weekend in Formula 4 machinery for female only drivers in the F1 summer break? A way to showcase talent that opens up approx- entry to approximately 18 youngish drivers who are capable of competing at or beyond that level. Names like Flourish, Visa, Garcia, Calderon, um, etc. To prove the FIA's incompetence, I'd add Jordan as a quote-unquote okay. yardstick. Like, um, man, if I didn't like pick her, like she didn't get elected because she was a fast driver. Let's get, yeah. New. Probably because she's got influence yes. more than anything else, um, visibility mm-hmm. like that. That's, that's political reasons, not not really you know merit or like, merit. I mean, I, res- I respect hustle, but not when it's productive. As I pointed out to a friend, you know, electing Carmen Yorta as to be like the face of women in motorsport. Yo, that's like electing Tommy Lauren to be like the leading figure of but feminism the thing is like, in America. Like, oh <laughs> the thing is, God! Like, most people think like most people saw her tweet and didn't realize she like got elected as a member of a commission. They thought that she was going to going to literally be the face of the FIA and women involvement, not like the member of like a twenty plus person commission, like. Oh, people don't do their fucking research. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think one of the things with her is the fact that she came out with that comment about how we needed a female-only series. And then a female-only series got announced. Yeah. And it's that kind of a... She Probably if she hadn't came out with that comment about we need a female-only series... Well, mm-hmm. well, remember, Scattered remember, she didn't come agent. up with that idea. Bernie did, and she was the only one uh. who agreed with it. Mm-hmm. True, but is that kind of a that? So, as soon as I think, no, she'd probably still then agreed with the idea of it when it got announced last week. But is that kind of a? I think if she hadn't already been so vocal about supporting like a female-only series, I think. As much as people would probably roll their eyes at her, at getting this like being a get getting this yeah. chance to show. I think. I think she's she's ended up putting a better yeah. taste in people's mouths. Yeah, the, the double but down think, like, certainly like, didn't help. Like, back to that all female series, I really think that it's not going to happen for like one like logical reason. The mm-hmm. series needs drivers who are capable of driving the cars that they want to race. And if your series is going to be, like, the female equivalent mm-hmm. to Formula 2, number one, there's very few drivers capable of driving those cars at the moment. And, like, number three, like, 
none of them want to drive an all-female series, so you have no one to drive in that series. <laughs> it yeah. feels almost like she endorses it because she knows she'd get to drive somewhere. Yes. Like, the the pool is small, and so Carmen Jordan finally gets to drive a car. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not great to say the least. Last question for this Oh, no, no, show. we never, you never answered the question about the summer break well, idea. Oh, there's a one-off no, race? Like, I, I, uh, I think that is no. uh, not a good idea for the other reason, where it's like, if you get them all in Formula 4 cars, during, like, half the people he mentioned were, like, well-experienced out of Formula 4. Like, like Tatiana Calderon, mm-hmm. like, they, they're well past Formula 4. Like that doesn't stop people from entering the Macau Grand Prix for Formula Three cars that are already. But that is the Macau Grand Prix. (laughs) This is a new, just just a new one-off race, and in today's climate, that's not gonna go down well. No, and again, it's, it's it's worth it's worth mentioning from before as well. It's like even if you could take part in that race, why would you want to? There's, you know, there's no prize. Like, it's just for like exposure. For, for, like for exposure, what? Dre. For what? <laughs> for who? Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's yeah. Like I just I worry that it's gonna become like just a big game almost. Like it's gonna be the funny like. Oh, we're gonna put the women on the track, and it's gonna be cute. And if they just it's, get one race to prove themselves, it's very likely that that could happen. It's it's a, it's a cop out. It's it's the oh, we've given them their own race. They've got their own little exhibition. You don't have to worry about this anymore. They've got their shit, and like you know, that's the end of the that's the end of the matter. And it's not it's not as simple as that. And I don't I don't want to see some of the most talented female drivers in the world be marginalised to a freaking sideshow. You know mm-hmm. that. You know, and that's like they're better than that. They deserve equal treatment. And as I said earlier with Miles's question, like, like this is one of the very few sports that actually allows equal participation. That's something that most sports just don't have. It, why would you have? Why would you want uh, to change that? I'd like, say, what, like, like again, <laughs> I'd say let's talent cup this shit. Like they put, like they don't sell the yeah. TV rights for it. Like they just broadcast all the like all the races live on on YouTube. Like if you want to watch it, you can watch it. They're not really going to make money off of it, but if you're interested, hey, it's there. Yep. Uh one more question and it's it, it's a it's not really weird about switch but I thought I had to get it in because he's one of our regulars. It's Charles Regimble who asks Seeing as how one of you was on TV recently, what TV news outlet would you want to appear on the most? <laughs> I want to watch Fox News with all my hot takes and just fight everybody. And I love how. Uh, no, no, no. Yes, yeah, sir. <laughs> oh my god. They're based here in Austin. They're right here. I could do it. Lizzie, I want you to leave a dirty protest yeah. outside their door. <laughs> give, give him the Simpson star nah, flame and bag you, treatment. You, you should, you should <laughs> just protest that Alex Jones is a lizard person. Just like try to just get on their level and see how they take it. 
By the way, I'm only doing the voice for uh, for paid donations now. Uh, oh, if, if, yeah. If you, if you just want, if you want to Venmo me twenty bucks. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's tough living out here. Like it's it, it's tough for a Tennessee native here. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true. Have you looked at her average income <laughs> income? <laughs> oh, RJ, were you not the guy when you first came on in today for, to record this podcast like, talking about you got, how you got, you got your first bonus whoa, today whoa whoa <laughs> that was said in confidence Dre <laughs> <laughs> oh my bad my bad I, I, I did too like, I, I did myself it wasn't great but <laughs> I think we will call that a show um, my god, we've gone for nearly two and a half hours. That's typical us. <laughs> I'll, I will call it a close here. Uh, if, if, if you've listened already, like, follow everybody that's been on this show. There's some important shit, and they often go into way more detail than what we just had on this two and a half hour show. And text is fun. Um, basically, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com, Fortas Motorsport 101, Facebook.com, Fortas Motorsport 101, Twitter, at Motorsport underscore 101, at Elizabeth underscore Worth, at Wee Zoe, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at Harrison 101 HD. That's me. For the people that have asked about possibly getting my TV segment on YouTube, I'm working on it. Stay tuned on that, by the way. Um, also, one more place you can find us, obviously, if you'd like to back us on Patreon, uh, at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Five of those get you early access to both this show and to Bike Live, which is back next weekend with the Bike Live Awards show. Although we may have just spoiled one given the ending of episode 115. Whoops. Um, <laughs> how bad. But um, yeah, like that will just about do it for this episode. We'll be back most likely in a couple of weeks' time in the run up before Christmas because that's always fun. Like, it's, it's, the, it's basically shit posting a podcast, King. We'll find a way to make it work, right? <laughs> We always do in the end. All I can say is before we go is, I hope we did it justice. Fingers crossed. Um, I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Elizabeth Worth, Zoe Hamilton, RJ O'Connell, and Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, thanks for watching. Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. <laughs> I was it's like, how many can we get in sync? We managed almost two. <laughs> we almost oh, went in sync again, King. Yeah. Well, almost. As, long, as long as you've got me on the show, you've always got at least one. Like, almost two is basically zero. <laughs>